What's up, everybody? Welcome to PSI Love You XOXO episode 24. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the OK Beast Blessing Eddie Oye Jr. Oh, oh bug snacks. snacks. It, has it ever left your head? Since no, it, not at all. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, it's no, it's just, it's just stuck in there. And it's one of those things where I keep watching the video, like knowing that that's the thing that's going to keep it in my head. I keep watching yeah. it just because it's such a good song. It's such a it great is, song. It's I a slap. It. It is a slap to be sure, you know, talking about bug For snacks. Sure. That's the thing that gets overlooked. Everybody thinks of the, oh, bug snacks. They're forgetting about the, talking about bug snacks. Like, that's that's the thing. Oh, yeah. Right there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It adds yeah, without a Without that, it doesn't hit as hard. For exactly. Sure. Oh, my God. Yeah. If, without that, character. it's just a jingle. You know what I mean? Exactly. There's exactly. a thing, you know, Kevin, let me lay it out for you this way, all right? Sure, there's Kenny G, but then there's Mozart. All right, and Mozart, he's Wait, what you're going to get to. <laughs> <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, I know you're probably alarmed if you're a video viewer. If you're an audio listener, I need you to pull the car over, pull the tractor over, break out your phone. I need you to go to the YouTube, youtube.com slash games. What is happening? In an unprecedented move, blessing, I am wearing a hat. I rarely yes. wear hats. It's a very bright hat. It is a very bright hat because I like to tell you I'm officially a Kalamazoo Mac Daddy. Hold on, let me get in there. Do you see the logo? You see oh, it? Kevin, you hear it? You see the it? Mac Daddies. I'm a I'm a Kalamazoo I Mac hear it. Daddy. Kalamazoo. I got this one too. It's a better look at the logo. Look at this, Kalamazoo oh. Mac Daddy. Now you might say, what does this have to do with PlayStation at all, Kalamazoo Mac Daddies? And the answer is very fucking little. But as you know, for weeks now it raged here on this show. Could Herman Hulst over? in Amsterdam, make mac and cheese. Who at PlayStation could make the best mac and cheese? While Blessing and I argued about this, a kind of funny best friend named Dean Thomas, turns out he works over at the Kalamazoo Growlers. They're a minor league baseball team. And they had this press release come around that benefits fathers. Father's Day might look a bit different this year for many families on June 21st due to COVID-19. The same will be said for the Kalamazoo Growlers baseball team when the team will rename itself the Kalamazoo Mac Daddies in honor of fathers and mac and cheese lovers. The change is a dual salute to dad, along with Michigan, <laughs> Michigan's undeniably uh, dairy mac and cheese festival that is still slated to be hosted at Homer Striker Field for the second year later this fall after selling out in record time in 2019. The promotion was originally slated for three games this summer, with the first game being on Father's Day. Uh, the team is continuing on with the promotion, but instead of playing, has decided to partner with local programs that aim to support fathers in the community by providing tickets and experiences at Growlers baseball games and programming assistance in the offseason. If you want to support Mac and Cheese, because again, Michigan's undeniably dairy mac and cheese festival is happening at Strikers Field 2019 this fall. Support the Kalamazoo Mac Daddies. You can go get your Kalamazoo Mac Daddies apparel at bit.ly slash kzoo mac daddy. Wait, did they hit you up about this? How, how, why are you wearing the hat? Why do you have the gear? 
Well, Dean reached out and he said, hey, I'm a big kind of funny best friend. I've heard this argument about mac and cheese on PS I Love You, XOXO, my PlayStation podcast. And I think we, we'd we love to support you and send you some Kalamazoo Mac Daddy's outfits. And I said, you know what, Dean? That does sound right up my alley. Yeah. Free shirts about mac and cheese. And he didn't even at the time tell me about Michigan's undeniably dairy mac and cheese festival. That was That's just actually this- what I'm very curious about that. I actually would like to check out that festival because that sounds awesome. That reminds me a lot of the Sweet Corn Festival or not even the Sweet Corn, the um, or maybe this, you know, the Sweet Corn Festival in Champaign, Illinois, that would happen every year that had some of the best corn I'd ever tasted. Um, not had corn as good as from as uh, from the Champaign, Illinois Sweet Corn Festival That's ever since right I've there. been in Champaign, Illinois. It's fresh off the stalk there. You know what I mean? It is. That's how you're doing it. Yeah. Hey, corn everywhere. If you go to this mac and cheese thing, I'm down to go and shoot everything. And Kevin, you want to go? Or mac and cheese. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Here's what I'm going to say. Kalamazoo Mac Daddies, a.k.a. Dean Thomas. Kalamazoo Mac Daddies, a.k.a. Dean Thomas. You could look into this. There's got to be some kind of promotional venture you can trick your employer into giving us to send us out to Homer Striker Field uh, sometime in the fall of 2019 for this this Michigan's Undeniably Dairy Mac and Cheese Festival. We can do a live PS I Love You there. People will not understand it. Maybe at that point, here's, I mean, maybe, I don't know how big the Kalamazoo Mac Daddy budget is for guest appearances. Maybe that's where we finally do the PS I Love You XOXO PlayStation Mac and Cheese off. We get Adam Boys. We get Gio Corsi. We have Herman fly in. OSP flies in. We have a whole team out there of people trying mac and cheeses. Jack Jack Trenton, Sid Schumann, you know what I mean? Corey Barlog. What do they got? Saying yeah, you think man. there, you know, and, and you might say, what does any of this have to do with PlayStation? Remember MLB the show right there. PlayStation. Oh. Are you listening now? Are you listening? <laughs> you that I don't know if I don't think minor league right teams are in the show. Are they? Does that make sense? No, like, that makes a lot of sense. Like a Kalamazoo, like customized team and it will be the show right there as, right? A, as a promotion. Yeah, I'm into it. Trying to call Barry Courtney. I'm trying to call Barry oh, Courtney. Okay. He plays for the show. Out, for a second, I was like, if you're calling Herman Holtz, we got to stop the show. We can't let this happen. <laughs> Greg, you've we gone too far. Anymore. There's a lot of you crossing it. It's just saying calling, but it's not calling. You ever get that, Kevin? Oh, yeah, when it doesn't start ringing. And yeah. it's like, all right. Uh, yep, I, I, d- I do. Remember the old days, you just punch the buttons. They happened. Well, whatever. Maybe somebody else will tell us later. You want me to call him? Ladies and gentlemen. Enough about the Kalamazoo Mac Daddies and Mac and Cheese. Although, again, Michigan's undeniably Dairy Mac and Cheese Festival. I feel like we're missing an easy opportunity here to link us all up. Seems like this is, I mean, this is on paper, this makes perfect sense. No, PlayStation Podcast, Mac and Cheese Festival, Kalamazoo Mac Daddies. I digress. I'm with you. Yeah, that makes sense. Ladies and gentlemen, we do have no time to waste, of course. Guess what? The reviews are up for The Last of Us uh, Part 2, which means we can answer your spoiler-free questions and... The PlayStation 5 has been revealed, which means there's plenty of spoiler-free questions about the PlayStation 5 to talk about. And we're going to get into all of it because this is PSI Love You XOXO, your PlayStation podcast. Each and every week, Blessing and I get together to nerd out about all things PlayStation. You should be part of the show. You can go to patreon.com slash games. You can, of course, get the show ad-free. You can, of course, get it with the exclusive post-show we do. But most importantly, you can get it. And put in your uh, questions and comments and concerns there. You can give us your PlayStation profiles looking to for trophies. You can ask us the questions like so many of you did. I love and appreciate every one of you. Thank you for asking amazing questions to make this show even better. Of course, if you have no bucks to toss our way on Patreon, it's no big deal. Yes, Kevin, we should be. You can go to youtube.com slash games and podcast services around the globe each and every Tuesday morning. Get a brand new episode unless it's something like last week where we hold off to do the PlayStation 5 event. Uh, housekeeping guess what nick's entire playthrough for the first time ever of the last of us is up 
It's officially up. It's not going to be taken back down. There's nothing wrong with this version. Two giant videos up there for you to watch all of Nick's 15-hour playthrough of The Last of Us Part 1. You can go to youtube.com slash games. Get it right now. Programming notes for you, of course. We have a lot of Last of Us content for you. Nick's Let's Play is up on YouTube. This is all on youtube.com slash games. I'm, I'm sick of saying it. Yeah. Gamescast, of course, has the spoiler cast for the original uh, Last of Us up. Gamescast has oh, oh yeah. the Last of Us Part 2 review up. Then this week, the week we're recording this, the 15th, uh, on Friday, the release date of uh, that there, Last of Us Part 2, we're going to publish our Last of Us Part 2 spoiler cast. It will be the review crew once again. It'll be me, Tim, Blessing, and Christine Steimer from What's Good. We'll be going in, no holds barred, able to talk about everything. That will go live on Friday. Clearly, and I can't stress this enough, Blessing, don't watch this until you beat the game. No, do not yeah, watch definitely don't do that. Game. Yeah, do definitely not don't do, do that. This. Because this am- like we're probably going to like open up with... Like oh, we're coming out swinging, grown. but we'll warn you yeah, too. Out, like swinging. if it downloads by accident, and like you're knee deep in baby poop, you know, doing something, like you're, it just rolls over into Spotify or whatever. We'll let you know. There'll be a chance for you to get out of the poop and get it stopped. You know what I mean? Of maybe course. you're working. Maybe you're in Kalamazoo Mac Daddy HQ trying to figure out how you're gonna get uh, Shuhei Yoshida over there for a mac and cheese festival. I understand. There's a lot of things to go. We'll give you a chance to get out of it. Don't worry about that. Uh, however, that's Friday. Then the next week. Last of Us Part 2. Spoiler cast, again, is what I don't even know what to call it. But what it's going to be is me, Neil Druckmann, Ashley Johnson, and Troy Baker talking about Whoa. The Last of Us Part 2. No holds barred. Uh, all the story beats. All the questions we raise and don't understand, if any, in the spoiler cast, we'll then bring over to them, have them talk about their experiences with it. So tons and tons and tons of Last of Us Part 2 content on YouTube.com slash games. Of course, mostly, with the exception of Nick's playthrough, available on podcast services around the globe. Uh, thank you to our Patreon spo- uh, producers for today. Uh, Mohammed Mohammed, a.k.a. Momo. Connor Nolan, a.k.a. Connor Dow. James Hastings, Sancho West Gaming. Julian, the gluten-free gamer. Uh, Delaney Twinning. Aaron Bol- I always forget. I always fuck this one up. Bon- Bonilla. Bonilla, thank you. Like Bobby Bonilla. Remember him? No. Yeah, you too. Yeah. Jeffrey Long and Jesus Barrio, a.k.a. Bent Fork underscore PR. Our sponsor today is Keeps, but I'll tell you about that later for today. Let's start. With the X's and O's. Kevin, hit the song. X's and O's. X's Ooh, and O's. X's and O's. Uh, Blessing, I'm going to take the reins on this one, if you don't mind. Go uh, for it, man. Like we said, Last of Us Part 2. Reviewed. Done. Kind of. Of course, this is a spoiler-free look at The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, the review and then what we're going to do here. I asked you all to write in with questions uh, about The Last of Us Part 2 based on our reviews, the reviews you've read all over the internet, and so many of you did. So at the top of this, spoiler-free for Last of Us Part 2. However, spoilers for Last of Us Part 1, which I'm sure if you're listening to this PlayStation podcast, you're well aware of everything that happens in Last of Us Part 1. But worth saying it now instead of having to later on jump all over it. So, Big Daddy Bless. Greg Miller. Let's start with Takibi, who writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games, just like you can, and says, having just read through so many of The Last of Us 2 reviews, I was most interested in the views given by Maddie Myers at Polygon and Callie Plague over at GameSpot. They seem to view the game as being too forced, where the player lost agency. As a result, the player was powerless to change or carve Ellie's path. This is in light of clearly gr- the clearly gruesome killings. I'm sorry. This is in light of the clearly gruesome messages on killing and taking human life. My question is this. Does the game, in forcing you to kill in the game scenarios, take away from the cutscene deaths? In addition, do you think the message killing is bad is shoved down your throat, especially given you have no choice but to kill? 
So it's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Have you read both yeah. Maddie and Callie's reviews, Bless? I've listened to Callie's review Perfect. on GameSpot. I'm not diving deep into the Maddie Myers review, though I think sure. I've skimmed it if I remember which one this is. You were on, yeah, you were on um that episode of Games Daily. KFGD. So I yeah. definitely read a section of it when I would do it because I, I agree yeah. that like it's that. Eh. We'll get to. I know you did it on Games Daily, but I want to have another conversation about it here about uh, unfairly restrictive reviews. Mm-hmm. But we got you did start to see reviews. I feel break into different camps, right? Where it was, I loved it, or I've questions about it. And I think uh, both Maddie and Callie did a great job of being the contrarians for the most part, right? For a game that has a ninety six right now or whatever on Open Critic, uh, of saying this. So I want to start with blessing this mm-hmm. statement that. Uh, Takibi does here. They seem to view the game as being too forced, where the player lost agency. Do you feel that that's true? And do you feel that it was a detriment to the game? I think there's, I think there's layers to all of this. Like in terms of the game feeling too forced or the player losing agency, I don't necessarily feel like Naughty Dogs or like Naughty Dog games are games that are about player agency as far as where mm-hmm. the story is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Last of Us 2 especially feels like the story that Neil and Holly want to tell. Um, and so I don't necessarily have any issues with the game, with with certain deaths or certain moments or certain certain player actions having to happen. That said, I think there was a part in Kelly's review where she pointed out that a lot of the, the, the deaths or a lot of the big moments of the game take place in cutscene. And I think that is very, like, I think that I think that's a very interesting and kind of an astute observation as far as what as far as how that plays in with the, with the game's themes, of course, like this is all t- kind of difficult to talk about within like within the realm of not being able to talk about spoilers and we'll, we'll dive deep deeper into it during our spoiler cast. But I could kind of, I could kind of see where Callie is coming from in that, in that critique, as far as, you know, it, a lot of, a lot of the big moments I think could have hit harder if they were in the, 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 the player's hand, like not necessarily if the choice was given for the player but, but you want to player, execute whatever the action is yeah like if I, if me as a player was able to execute a lot of the things that take place in cutscenes during last of Us part two i could I, I could see the argument that that stuff would hit harder in fact i think i might even agree um there but as far as like you know does that does the lack of player agency take away from the last was two story um overall i i don't think so right i i, I think video game video game narratives they come in all shapes and sizes and as a story that is definitely that is definitely aimed toward giving you this specific story that the storytellers tellers want you to experience i think overall like they 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 did a great job with delivering that story and, and taking you through that story um in a way where if i was given choice as to whether or not i go a specific direction in the game i don't know if that would work to its to its benefit mm-hmm. yeah for me I never had that argument with it. And what I've talked about uh, in spoiler-free terms, and we'll continue to here, is that, you know, the end of Last of Us Part 1, I've always talked about, uh, you know, standing there and getting stabbed as Joel. Because I thought that it was going to give me the choice, either save Ellie or don't save Ellie. I thought that was going to be how Last of Us Part 1 would end. And when it didn't, and it was, oh, no, I have to kill the doctor. I have to. It turns out you don't have to kill the nurses, but I killed everybody in the fucking room. Uh, You don't have to. But you have to, you know, at least kill one person to get Ellie out of the room. Yeah. Uh, when that happened, I remember finishing the game, like I said, and then, you know, texting Neil uh, and being like, oh, my God, Joel's the bad guy. And him being like, well, that depends on how you look at him. Like, I'm looking at it like Joel's the fucking bad guy. And what mm-hmm. I've always said about that, right, is to me, 
I don't agree with that choice. That's not what I would have done, but it's one of the strongest things that game does is it cements itself at the very end and reminds you of, you might've thought you were playing this game and making all the things because you were in line with Joel and Ellie when you were doing it, but you get to a moment here where you're not and we make you, we make it happen. We make you kill these people. We make you move on because we're telling you a story. We are telling you a story. This is our story. Yeah. For me, the last of us part two is that feeling of I'm literally along for the ride the entire game. I legitimately feel like they never let go of that thread when they they grab it at the end of Last of Us Part 1 into Part 2. Part 2, the entire way was, man, I don't necessarily agree with what's happening or why it's happening. And I'm not even talking about like killing dogs, which I know, like those kind of choices. I'm talking about overall Mm -hmm. like giant narrative threads here or uh, arcs. I don't agree with what's happening. I understand why it's happening. And I'm very much in Ellie's shoes for it. I am here, you know, experiencing it and understanding why she's doing it, but not agreeing with it. For me, I think it goes back to what you said at the top of your thing, uh, Bless, is that I don't play Naughty Dog games for agency. I don't play Naughty Dog games uh, for open world, choose who I want, level up exactly how I want, right? And granted, there is that in Last of Us Part Two in terms of like, how are you investing your pills and how you're doing that? But, you know, yeah. some people, I platinum it over Still the weekend, like, you don't even need to go through the full game the second time around to max yourself out. Like you're getting most of the stuff you want as you play, if you're being thorough in your collectibles, I digress. We'll talk about platinums later on. Um, so I understand what you're talking about and what uh, Takibi's talking about in referencing Callie's review of like the actions aren't happening. They're happening in uh, cutscenes sometimes, most of the time. But I also agree with that because that's what I want from Naughty Dog. I'm there for the story. And I'd rather in those moments have it be framed and shot and have me see exactly what I'm supposed to see to understand what exactly that scene's trying to tell me. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I could, yeah, I, I, could, I, I could definitely see that. I think part of it for me is with the game's themes being... like Part, part of our review when we were talking about this on Gamescast with Steimer and Tim, we were talking a lot about how um, or at least for me, I talked a bit about how I felt like the more I played the game, the more I felt like death started to matter, especially within combat oh, encounters. Sure. Like it, it feels, it, it felt like uh, the more and more I killed in the game, the more and more I kind of felt like, oh man, like that that dude was really like this guy's friend over here, right? Like when I kill somebody and, then, and somebody else in the camp is like Devin or or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. I kill a dog and somebody is like, oh. Uh, comment chip, chip. or whatever you call <laughs> chip chip whatever you call dog <laughs> when like whatever that happened right like the more and more the more and more i played the more and more i felt like that weighed on me because i think that's what the game in its central its central themes are is trying to uh uh drop like drive to the player more and more as you progress further and further in the game and for me like a lot of that stuff worked right because a lot a lot of what this game I think does in terms of its narrative and in terms of how that mix mixes in with the gameplay and in terms in terms of what it, the, the the broader statements and tr- is trying to make about violence and revenge and even video game violence. Um, I think that stuff is done super well in a way where to Callie's point, like a lot of, a lot of the cutscene moments that could have been player moments not necessarily choices but like to what you say about the 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 ending of last last was part one right where you have to kill the doctor and like you could kill the, the other two doctors or whatever to, to, in order to save ellie if i think last was part two could have gone harder with that with with having similar types of moments there where like you know it like if the people you're getting re- revenge against right like if, if you come across one of them like you, 
and it's, it's so hard to talk, talk about it without spoilers, but putting that more on the player to have that moment uh, yeah. in the moment as opposed to having the game then transition into uh, traditional video game storytelling, um, which it's, it's such a hard thing to balance because Naughty Dog is very... I'm not gonna say like very traditional, but they they are making these third person action adventure games that are hey here's your here's your gameplay here's your cutscene here's more gameplay your gameplay is, is yeah it, your your the reward for your gameplay is more story and more cutscene. Um, I would have liked to see them kind of break that up in a bit because I feel like in this game they're doing so much to kind of uh try and subvert your expectations and and uh be kind of be be unexpected um in in the way like. The, the, in, in the way some of the story and some of the gameplay plays out, I would I would have liked them to see. I would have liked to see them go the extra mile uh, in terms of uh, what they're doing there uh, with player with quote unquote player agency because Here's I don't necessarily what, want that agency, but I want the control if that makes sense. I think you know in the historic sense of video games and gameplay versus cutscenes. I think of there being that hard stop, right? Where all of a sudden mm-hmm. you know you're into a cutscene and like the graphics drastically shift and this looks way better than what I'm playing and da 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 da. I understand what you're saying of you would like to see them experiment more and subvert expectations with, you know, uh, actually playing a cutscene for all intents and purposes. Yeah. I think this game does better than most, if not any, transition between gameplay to cutscenes. Where I've ta- I talked about it in our real review of, you know, being in the middle of somebody grabs me and, and it's like mash square so you don't get choked and you mash square and then it cu- goes into a cutscene. But I'm, I'm, I kept smashing square for five extra seconds. And I was finally like, mm-hmm. oh, the thing's not even on the screen anymore. Oh, I'm not in control anymore. And in the same way, too, of coming out of a cutscene and then being like, push the stick. Oh, I'm in control now. Like, I think merging those together is a very powerful storytelling medium. And for me, it was always, you know, especially just having gone through to uh, get all the collectibles this weekend. You know, the way I can tell that I'm no longer in a cutscene, or I'm sorry, the way I can tell that I'm into a cutscene is when all of a sudden I notice the camera get more cinematic, you know, very God yeah. of War, like you can envision Corey or in this case, Neil walk or Howie, walking around with the camera and like, you know, framing it that way. Yeah. Um, to read real quick, I want to give you three paragraphs from, uh, from Callie's review on GameSpot. The Last of Us Part 2 grapples with Joel's decision not to, not through Joel, but through Ellie. This life clearly is not enough for her. She's distant and brooding, obviously conflicted about something. She's changed a lot. And when everything falls apart and she sets out in search of vengeance, you see her pain in its rawest, most brutal form. It's a devastating, gruesome story of revenge in which the purpose of violence gets muddied by its intensity. But as a character study, The Last of Us Part Two is beautiful and haunting, and I found myself completely overwhelmed by the emotional weight of it. In some ways, I mean that literally. The game gave me stress nightmares, not because you kill a lot of people per se, but because playing as Ellie felt more like being dragged by my hair than being immersed in her mission. From the very beginning, I wanted to reach out and shake Ellie as her proxy in all of this and get her to do anything other than what we were about to do. I knew her revenge quest was bad news before the killing and maiming really began. There are narrative, there are narrative reasons for that though, and they do work. Being helpless as a player in the face of Ellie's destruction serves a grander purpose that I won't spoil here. The biggest issue is that most, most, the most impactful of her kills occurs in cutscenes rather than in combat, and that obscures the purpose of combat's more upsetting aspects. Yeah, I totally get it, and I the, 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 and back to what we're always talking about, right? Of like, it's gonna be so much fun when this game is out and everyone can just talk about yeah. it in a million different ways, in interpretations and symbolism and all that jazz. I understand what Callie is saying, and I respect it. I just didn't feel that, 
You know, mm-hmm. like my playthrough of it, not like, and, until you know she mentions this in a review and it really and we start discussing it. I never thought much about like you know these cutscenes being the kills because I I feel if they weren't right. And for the record, like if you think we're spoiling something, we're not. Lots of people die in this game, which I bet you expect, right? <laughs> like people, like in the last was one, a lot of people People die. you haven't even met, exactly. There's there's yeah. a lot of Henrys out there, right? Like, yeah. as you go through and do that, like, I feel if you were to have control of the camera, if you were to play that, if you were to have a uh, you know quick time event pop up, even if it was just mash square, like, I, I don't think that would benefit the storytelling medium they're going for and the, po- the power of what those cutscenes actually do and letting you soak it in and letting you to what she's talking about i think in a lot of ways feel helpless like both as ellie and both as the person controlling ellie both as the character of i can't do anything right now to help x y and z and as the player i don't want her to do this but she's doing it like we're leading her to those moments we're part of it but then her rage takes over yeah uh, it's it, it's such an interesting balance to me because i to i think I, I i agree with both you and callie here like to to everything you just read in callie's review like as you're going through it i was like yeah like i agree with all that um but like it didn't necessarily take away i don't think it took away as much from my experience as maybe it did for, for callie but you know to the point of my my relationship with ellie as i was playing the game there was a certain point where i'll where i kind of didn't want to play anymore like i didn't want to play mm-hmm. as ellie anymore mm-hmm. because i disagreed so much with decisions that were being made with some of her motivations right and like absolutely no spoilers and like you know there there, there are so certain points where i was like i i feel uncomfortable with sure. ellie's actions here sure right and that's not like that's not necessarily like bad writing by any means. That's kind of what they want you to feel. That's kind of what they, I think. I'm pretty sure that's what Neil uh, and Holly were driving at when they were when they were putting together the, the story. Um, but yeah, like as I was playing, I, I I feel like certain 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 parts about um, Ellie's motivations and certain aspects of this spiral that pretty much all the characters in the game are are, are going down could have been accented more. Um, with putting the gun in your hand more like mm. to like putting back to the to the games cast conversation of yeah like the more and more i killed in this game the more and more i kind of felt bad about it i i feel like they do such a good job with that like i i, I feel like it's it's one of those things where they go they go 98 percent of it uh percent of the way and that last two percent could have been the kills that mattered for me see and i think uh, that last two percent though does separate it from crossing that threshold into torture porn that people were so mm-hmm. worried about seeing that Paris Games Week trailer, right? Yeah. Like, if you go that far, I do feel that you do run the risk of super, super alienating people. What it, it was this talking on? I've I've done a, already done a couple. I've already done one spoiler cast and two or two reviews. Yeah, so kind of tied up. But there was one that I think was our games cast where Tim was talking about it. But it might have been Steve Bowling over on Game Explain, uh, and he brought up the fact that one of them brought up the fact of uh, Walking Dead. And how people were so into Walking Dead and along for the ride in Walking Dead and then spoilers for the Walking Dead TV show. When we yeah. got to the death of Glenn, so many people were like, I'm checking out. Wow. And it wasn't that yeah. I love Glenn. It was that it was this brutal Negan with the baseball and, you know, Lucille taking it to Glenn's head. Like that was like, yeah. and that was, that was Tim on Gamescast saying this. Yeah. And I do think, again, no spoilers like, uh, I know people hate when we say it over and over again, but I want to make sure we're always stressing that what I'm about to say is not a spoiler, even if you might feel it is. Um, there are times that you do have that. You come out of a cutscene and it does flash the square button and it is asking you to tap it, right? And it, and then when you do that, they usually do the, they don't show you the action, they show you the aftermath. 
And I think the aftermath is powerful when you see mm-hmm. afterwards what Ellie is like. And to your point, like, right, there was points you didn't want to play the game. And I think if in that section or some of the other sections we're not talking about talking about, uh, if the camera was a flip to your back and it was, all right, kill this person. Like, I don't think that would be something we'd revel in and we'd enjoy, mm-hmm. right? I think that's yeah. the thing. I mean, there, there, there was one of those, like, tap square moments where, like, I put the controller down and I ended up dying like a few times because I didn't like, I didn't want to tap square. Like I didn't want to see uh, the result of what was going to, sure. going to happen. Right. And like, that's, that to me is powerful. And that to me, and that's why I kind of bring it back to, to balance because yeah, like I, I, I hear exactly everything you're saying and I agree with everything you're saying. Um, because like, yeah, at, at a certain point, if you, if you did put the gun in my hand uh, for some, for some of these, these cutscene deaths or these cutscene moments uh, and had me like, if if you had me go through with that two percent that I'm talking about, right, like the two yeah. percent of kills that I don't get to do, um, yeah, like I could see the argument that 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 would have been too much because it would have been too violent and it would have it would have felt like torture po- torture porn. But does that also fit in with the themes of the game? Because there there are certain parts of the game where I'm like, all right, they went really far with the violence, but it feels earned and it feels like it makes sense for the world because this is a violent, brooding world. At it's- the same time, like, is it? If if they did that, if they if they put the gun in my hand, does it feel like they've crossed the threshold of what's okay? I think they would, and I think you would lose that. Right now, even though we're playing the game, right? I don't I don't sit there and go, I'm Ellie, like I do in so many other games. Like right when I play uh, Odyssey, right? Like I'm Cassandra. Like I am play- making those choices. Like when we got, you know, like, there was one very definitive choice at the end of the DLC in Odyssey, like episode one or two, two I believe, where like it's a choice you have to make about a relationship. And my initial thought was, I'm not going to do that. And then I saw how much it meant to her. And that was the first time where I was like, Oh, like I want to do this for her, not for me. Mm-hmm. Last of us, I think come first off playing last of us part one and taking care of Ellie the entire time gave us this relationship where we're, we're looking out for her. And so I think that's why it's so powerful in last of us part two, to play through this and be her shepherd and play as her, but not feel like I'm her. Like the fact that she's doing all this stuff that I don't want to do, that I do very much to Callie's point, to your point, like I want to sit her down and have a conversation about like, this is not right. Like this, and this is not right. And this is, isn't what you should do. If I was to execute in those scenes, it would disconnect, I think completely because then I am the one doing it. I am the one uh, who's actually committing this heinous act or whatever. And that then is then making me her and I'm no longer sitting shotgun with her. I am her. And I know that's a very weird thing, but you kind of understand what I'm saying. Right. And I think that's my biggest thing is the amount of people who are coming away from it. And, you know, and I shouldn't say that I don't agree with people that the message of this game is killing is bad. And that's what they're shoving down your throat. Right. Like, I really feel that like from the beginning, they've talked about this game is about hate. This game is about revenge. Right. I really feel like the message here and the character arc is like, that's bullshit. Like that's a bunch of, that's a waste of your time. Like, you know what I mean? Like you don't do that. Like look at the signposts, look at all these things, listen to your friends, your family who are saying this isn't worth it. Like that's the message here. Right. But then it's also this part of like, being wrapped up in it and going and hopefully, you know, you know, knock on wood, I'm never in the situations Ellie has been in since birth. You know what I mean? I'm in the pandemic, but I don't think it's going to get that bad. Right. To fuel you and push you and break you that way to make you be set out on a mission of hate. Right. You know, we were talking about the other day where we went back and watched the first ever trailer, right. The debut or whatever, her playing the guitar and Joel walks in the room and she's just like, I'm going to kill every last one of them. Right. Like we knew from there what kind of thing we were setting off on and, you set off on it and I, it's one of those, I understand what you're doing and you're justified in what you're doing, but 
like yeah <laughs> like to the point of to the to the to Kibi, to, to Kibi's last question here right do you think the message the message killing is bad is shoved down your throat especially given given you have no choice but to kill i i don't think that message is shoved down your throat i and i echo what i said on gamescast where i more so see this game as an analysis on revenge and analysis on hate than an indulgence of it like i don't think mm-hmm. i don't mm-hmm. think it's necessarily supposed to be like a uh a like hey like guess what like you know you know all that violence you've been doing all that video in all those video games you've been wrong the whole time like it's not it's not that um i think it's the 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 subject matter and the themes that they tackle in this game are more so focused toward that that cyclical nature uh of hate and revenge and kind of how that spirals us and i think to that like i think they do a really good job do they i i think there i i do think there are moments where you know i there are moments in which they accent that where i'm like all right, cool. Yeah, like I get it. Like revenge, is, like revenge is bad, but it's not really. T- the, those moments t- come to me in like notes that I found, where like I find a note that is a story about somebody who got revenge, and I'm like, all right, Neil. Like I, I get, I get what you're what you're driving at here. Um, but like none of that really felt bad in any means, right? Like, yeah, I don't if, feel like if, I was beaten over the head with it. Yeah, not really. No, not. And, I, and again, like really. to the whole point of why I'm so excited to get out there and why it was so great to go talk to Cat uh, uh, Bailey from US Gamer and Steve from Game Explained for both their review and their spoiler cast to talk to other people and get their interpretations on it. Right. I'm sure you watched the games cast review. If you didn't, for some reason, like ha- w- w- Simer was the first of the group to beat it after I did. And so to finally be able to sit there and talk to her about symbolisms and themes and what did you take and i didn't get that and blah blah and then to go have a conversation with cat bailey and have the complete opposite and have us in the show be like this is how i felt about ellie at this point and i was like i have the complete opposite read on that this is how i f-. and like that's awesome that's what i'm talking about when i'm talking about how this game i think is more than a game where it is this great piece of literature this great movie this great game it's this weird thing that exists between them all in a way that we're literally going to sit here and dissect this thing for years and people are going to have different opinions on it. And not only, and not in the, is it a good game or is it a bad game? They're going to have opinions about Ellie's choice in this instance, what this meant, what this character arc was like. Yeah. Okay, that, and that's go. the thing that I really do appreciate, appreciate about this game. Like over the weekend, I've been talking to people who also played the game and I found that my conversations about this game specifically have felt more, more rich and more right. um, dynamic than uh a lot of games i've I've played in the past like it it feels like people are taking taking away so much of their own interpretations in a way that i feel like uh is really is 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 really refreshing like there are like people that are hyperbolic on both sides of like oh this game sucks or this game is the best thing since sliced bread and i i don't know if i fall on on either of those Um, but, (laughs) but like you know i i there, there is so much in this game and in the story and in the design of it that I think does so much good and that I think is so uh, refreshing that the conversations that I've been having coming out of it have been uh, good also because of that. And I think that's that's a thing that, that's definitely noteworthy about The Last of Us Part Two. All right, so here's a question. I want to. This is from Billy the Door. If you're a Games Daily listener, yes, this question got asked on Monday's episode, but I wanted to chime in on it and I already put it on my document before, so that's it. And also, uh, Billy... Billy very much said ahead of time, like, yeah, I've submitted this on both places. So he's fine with it. Okay. Uh, the question, though, is this. Uh, there are some who are saying the review embargo was unfairly restrictive. Do you agree? We obviously know they exist to benefit the developer. But do you have an example where the existence of an embargo benefited the consumer? So you've had a chance to go off on this, but go off yes. again, son. What's, what's your call? Uh, I don't think it was unf- unfairly restrictive. I think... 
when it comes to video game reviews, um, I I see I see video game reviews that are coming out at the embargo at day one as more product reviews in terms of purpose. Like I don't think you necessarily have to have your critical deep dive into the story and into all this all these different elements coming out yeah. on uh like on embargo day. I think those can wait a week. Those can wait two weeks. I don't think no, I, I think the the purpose of a video game review leading up to a game's release and people might might disagree with me and I think that's fine. Um, but I think the purpose of a video game review leading up to release should be like a product review, right? Should be telling people, hey, is this game good or is this game bad or is this game all right? Like, where do you fall on that? Uh, what can I expect out of this game? Like, you know what? Like, is this game quality? Like, I, I, I think the purpose should be more so helping people to to make that purchasing decision. And as far as critical deep dives and, and being able to to um, pull apart, like, story and all that different stuff, I think it's fine for that stuff to wait, like, the day after the release of a game to really get into that. And so as far as, like, the, the um, embargo restrictions on The Last of Us Part Two, the embargo is a lot of story stuff. The embargo is a lot of spoiler spoilerific stuff. And that's stuff that I don't think we would have talked about in the first place in our review. um because like we don't want to spoil the game and so i think to that effect like yeah i don't think it was unfairly restrictive it was pretty restrictive but it's stuff that i don't think we would have talked about anyway the pro yeah so it is restrictive in terms of the amount of stuff they asked you not to cover all this other jazz that if i was to mention it would then tell you what i was you know uh (laughs) but the idea around it i think is the right one And so I don't think it's unfairly restrictive at all. I think it's restrictive because this is a game that, and this is funny to say on a game that had so many leaks and whatever, but this is a game that the biggest parts of it are story twists and turns. And don't get me wrong, I think the gameplay is incredible. I had such a great time, again, playing it all weekend long, going back and doing more stuff. Like I love sneaking around. I love using the different weapons. I love screwing with the ai and seeing how they react in different ways when you do different things and i think the fact that it's so strong is you know to naughty dog's credit and one of the reasons they were able to be like don't talk about the story at all outside of things people have seen or you've played and previewed already like that makes sense because hey we're we think the game's uh, well enough to go uh on its own gameplay wise story wise i think us sitting here and telling you there is so much more to discuss there's so many things we want to say there's this that and the other that works as well because you know then the story's good or at least you know i think the story's good you know blessing enjoyed the story even if it you know puts him in a, a place he doesn't want to be sometimes like that's giving you the information you want and the problem is you get into this arms race where yep i you know you and i even if they didn't do this you and i wouldn't have touched it with a 10-foot pole certain things in this game we probably would have had a review yeah. okay no, it's no longer spoiler free we're going to spoilers everybody all right and then we would have gone but if that's us and that's probably IGN and that's you get into this thing with a, where for as many people who would be touching this and seeing it and playing it, like not everybody would go that way. And I think that there are twists and turns in this game that you are better not knowing, you know what I mean? Like even for the spoilers that I had, I had seen and had quote unquote ruined for me. I use quotes because not everything that I was told spoiler or had yelled at me on Twitter was true. Yeah. Knowing those things were coming you knew they were coming. So it kind of put me in an interesting spot on certain things of like, oh, is this where that thing I I heard is going to happen? And then I got to the end of the game and it never happened. I was like, oh, okay. But it still put me into a thing of, I'm not worried about it. I wasn't upset about it, but thinking I knew where that was going colors certain scenes, certain instances in a very particular way. And again, like we'll talk about on our spoiler cast, I'm sure, but for sure on the Game Explained spoiler cast, which will go live, I think Friday as well, or maybe even after, um, it was the similar thing of, okay, cool. Like knowing that, this made this feel this way or yada, yada, yada. I think, I don't think it's not unfairly restrictive. It is restrictive in the way a narrative game should be. 
I remember, you know, when I was a young buck video game uh, reviewer back at IGN, and I remember getting Batman Arkham Asylum, and I remember being so into it, being so caught off guard that that game was great because I was expecting just another fucking Batman game, you know what I mean? And you get that, and it's insane, right? I remember the Scarecrow stuff being on the embargo sheet that you couldn't talk about. And I remember trying to go to the mat with both my uh, Jeremy Dunn and my editor at the time, right, and WB. And be like, no, you have to let me talk about this. You have to let me mention this in the review, dot, da, 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 right? And they were like, no, you can't, and blah, blah, blah. And I, we didn't win that war, right? And, and I remember this internal struggle of how can I review this game and not talk about this thing? And it's like, what is, I look back personally in that very specific example for Gregman, or not everybody, what a stupid way to be hung up about something. That's, I mean, really, is that, it, it, you know, spoilers for fucking Endgame, I guess? Like, is that, if I was not to ruin the portal scene in my fucking review of Endgame, would my Endgame review not, man? No, like, what are you talking about? Like, that's something you yeah. need to experience. And I'm talking about, in a movie sense, watching on the screen, let alone in a 26 and a half hour game, playing through it and not having these things change for you. Because there is huge shit in this. Like, you know what I mean? And like, you look at other games like that of like, Granted, I guess it's not apples and oranges on a shit. I was going to throw stuff out of other games that have done it, but I don't even remember what those reviews are. But like, I don't think it's overly restrictive. I don't think it's unfairly restrictive. I think it's restrictive in the way it should be. I think for a game that's being reviewed a week out that is so built around stories, I think it's fine. And I, you know, we say there, oh man, this is tough to, it was more, it wasn't tough to review with the restrictions. It was tough to speak without spoiling. And yeah, no, I, 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 the last thing I ever want to do is say something that to you, the listener tips my hat that I knew something and now you're expecting it that you're like, oh, yeah. wait, he mentioned a bear. <laughs> like, dude, <laughs> when is this bear going? There's no bear that's going to appear and get you. Is right. there not a, okay. I was like, no. wait, I, 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 I was like, wait, is there a bear? There could I, be I like, wait, is there? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you there. And, and I found myself, especially during our Gamescast review, kind of jumping around in terms of like there being critiques that I'd like, like I'd like to talk about and there being, you know, like, I mean, I've, for all intents and purposes, I love the game. I think the game is absolutely fantastic. I think the game is, is the game is one of the best games of the year, like very easily. Right. But there's still critiques that I have with it and critiques that I'd like to talk about. But at the same time, like during our Gamescast review, I found myself hopping around, not because of the embargo restrictions, but because of well stuff that were that were in the embargo restrictions that i wouldn't have talked about anyway i was gonna say stuff that technically was embargoed but not stuff you would have said even if it was yeah not stuff that i would want to say anyway and so like it's kind of hard to really speak around uh that stuff and it's like a very it's very much a video game specific problem when it comes to reviews because like there's so much more to a video game than the story and so in our like in our review we talk so much about gameplay and mechanics because those are the things that are easy for us to talk about um and we 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 talk about the story but we don't necessarily talk about the story um and that's the thing that's that's the thing that you don't really have to deal with when you're reviewing like a music album like you can just talk about the songs there's no spoilers in an album there's not really i guess there's spoilers in tv shows but you know when you review a tv show like there's usually more leniency as far as you, you're probably expected to watch a show before you're, you're you're getting into this review of it um or with a movie or you're able to talk around around a movie story enough to where you understand the premise you understand the plot and you understand the character motivations and all this stuff um but yeah like i don't i i think with video games it's just kind of so tough with how complex uh they are comparatively in terms of talking about them and reviewing them and giving impressions on them that i i don't necessarily fault the embargo for being restrictive but i and i i think that's 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 kind of the the game that we're playing here when it comes to talking about video games. It's going to be 
I would love, I know uh, Callie on GameSpot, right? I think her review at the top says like this is incomplete or whatever. Editors yeah. know due to embargo restrictions, we've done our best to avoid. However, if you want to understand the full context analysis here, we'll have another review up when Last of Us officially, uh, okay, discussing the story. That's a really great way to do it because it is going to be, a, I feel like, for most, yeah, yeah, I can't even talk about it. See, that's the thing is like, yeah. I, think, I think some of the stuff we can't talk about, people are want to talk about because it is either, of course, that's the stupidest thing I could say. It's so cool or so dumb. It's whatever. There's gonna be a lot of interpretations. I understand it, but I think talking about any of it would, in fact, like tip you off. Like, tip they you want, yeah, you. I want you to have the moment I had in the game. Yeah, and, I go, and I think, what the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? And the, there was a couple of those, but like the one I, specifically I'm talking about. I think I think Gamespot the way they're handling the reviews, like the perfect way to do it, yeah. where they're having their their spoiler free reviews, the original like embargo review, and then yeah, once the game actually comes out, they're updating it with. Uh, with talking about the story and going into detail i think that's the perfect way to do it i think that solves both sides of of the issue um and so yeah like shout out to them it turns out uh, i'm looking at the chat here on the live stream of course you can watch live on patreon.com slash kind of funny games as we record it uh mike l says days gone cornered the zombie bear market i guess (laughs) fucking spoiled it you know what i mean that uh no there's zombie bears and wait are they zombie bears or are they just bears wait in In days Days gone Gone? oh no there's zombie bears there are zombie bears in days gone. Oh, yeah, man, they're all fucked up and shit. Damn, that's wild. Uh, Grizik writes in to patreon.com slash games and says, Dear Blessing and Greg, the overall consensus on The Last of Us Part Two, beyond it being fantastic, is that it is a brutal and dour game. Given the current state of the world and my own mental state, this really isn't the kind of game I'm looking for right now. Instead, I'm playing chiller games like Pokemon and Minecraft. If you weren't reviewing The Last of Us, do you think that you'd be in the mood to play a game like it right now? Please elaborate as much as you're comfortable with. Blessing, if you were still back in Seattle, mm-hmm. you're out there swinging the axe, chopping down trees, making coffee, whatever the fuck you did in Seattle, would you be stoked in this pandemic to go play The Last of Us Part Two? No. In fact, I would have I would have put it off. Uh, I would I probably would have waited until like maybe a month or so before I played The Last of Us Part Two, uh, mm-hmm. if it was coming out. Knowing knowing that it's like a dark and grim game, knowing that it's a, it's a, a game about hate or whatever they said before um, about it. After playing it, um, I don't necessarily feel like it's a game that you that you need to stay away from if you're like feeling like it. It it, it comes down to person by person. Playing it, I didn't have a I didn't have a problem playing it. For me, as somebody who going into it was a little bit like, all right, let's see how this goes. Like I've been stressed. I've been like, you know, not necessarily feeling upbeat as much in the last three months uh, yeah. about everything. And so, like going into it, I was a little bit like, all right, let's see how this goes. I don't know if I'm gonna be in the mood for this. And honestly, in the first couple of days of playing it, I only played like a little bit of it because I knew that I. I didn't. I didn't think I was going to be ready for for this type of experience. The more and more I played it, the more and more that all kind of went away, and the more and more I was engrossed in the world. Because I think the, I think what one of the things the game does so well is it. And this is like a kind of a cliche, a cliche video game thing thing to say, but it immerses you in that world. Like I yeah. felt so engrossed in it as I was playing it, and like you know, The Last of Us Part Two as a game that. I think goes to such dark places, but also goes to like very warm places at the same time as a game that kind of has those emotional and tonal uh, extremes to it. I found that 
those also served as an escape. Like the the, the darkness and the 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 grimness in the Last of Us Part Two didn't really make me think about the grimness in the real world. Um, it totally it totally brought me into that world in a way that I didn't feel like I uh, I felt stressed at all. Um, in fact, it served as such a great escape from everything. And so for me, it worked out so well. But of course, like teach their own. I'm not saying that like if you're depressed right now, you should go play. You should go play the Last of Us Part Two right. by any means. Yeah, it's what you're going to pull out of the experience, right? The thing about it for me uh, was that, yeah, I'm right there with you of how immersive the world is. For me, honestly, like with everything that's going on in the world, because I've had it, you know, what, for two weeks, three weeks, something like that, right? So right in the heat of the pandemic and then obviously uh, everything with uh, George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and the protests and the riots. Like it was that idea of getting it and putting it in and, I know so many people have struggled with, oh, this is a game about hate and revenge, so it's going to be dark and it's going to be uh, terrible and like it's going to be torture porn. There's going to be all these things about it. Those aren't the experiences I had with it. For me, it was putting on blinders in the same way I keep going back to reading a book, right, and being put into Ellie's shoes. And Ellie's motivation in Last of Us Part Two is simple. It is revenge. It is hate, right? It isn't even as complex, I think, as the uh, Joel and Ellie's story in The Last of Us Part 1, which, right, was like, get her to here. They're not there. Oh, my God, we got to go across the country and do this thing and do that. Like, this is much more like, this is my fucking mission. I'm going to complete my mission. And putting on those blinders and jumping into that world and having it be so realized and so lush. And as, you know, Steinberg pointed out on the review, sure, it's dark and brutal, but there are moments of happiness and hope and love. And yeah, like there's, it's, it is a, a, an actual, actual plethora of things going on here that are beyond this dark and brooding and gritty shit. You know what I mean? It's real. And, and I know it isn't, but it's real. And these are humans and there's a range of emotions and characters and relationships to explore in there. And that, I don't want to say it's helpful in terms of like disconnecting from the world because we can't disconnect. We need to stay on mission and on task here as well. But it was a nice reprieve to go into it. And that was the focus. This is what it is. I'm in these environments and I know I'm looking for these items. I'm doing this thing. I'm going after this person, whatever it's going to be. But exploring and getting to what I, you know, uh, the puzzle of how do I get from the one side of the world to the next side of the world and take out these people or don't take them out or do that. Like mm-hmm. the game works that way in a way that I don't think it, Actually, I, you know, especially for talking about like, you know, being in the middle of a pandemic when, when they push Last of Us Part Two and it being like, oh man, is it going to be too on the nose? Like, we're what, 25 years from outbreak day here? Like, the pan- this is, they're not worried about a pandemic anymore, right? They're, that's not, they, that's not even the thing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part in this game, I do feel like the infected even are akin to if we were going through the woods and there was a bunch of fucking bears I got to worry about. Like, they're just like part of the world. It's not like they're this. Oh my God, these fucking things again. Like, you know what they are. They're an everyday task. These people and they feel that. Mm-hmm. I yeah. hope that makes sense. No, I'm with you there. And I, and I agree as far as like the, the range of emotion that the game uh, uh, kind of runs through, like the way I've been putting it is I think, and I, I, I forget if I said this on earlier on this podcast or if I said it on the games cast podcast, or if I said it to a friend, but like, I think the game does such a good job of, uh, going to the warmest of, of warm places but then also going to the darkest of dark places but also make making all that feel appropriate um they do such a good job of you know making those interpersonal interpersonal interactions feel like they matter and feel like feel very warm if that makes sense but also like not not holding back um when when they are going to those dark places and they are going to those grim places or those violent places it reminds me in a lot of ways of uh something like the revenant or um a period piece like that right where it's like yep this is a brutal unforgiving world but that doesn't eliminate them 
having family, having friends, having this, having camaraderie, having moments of happiness. You know what I mean? Yes. Like hobbies. There's stuff that exists for them. I want to also give uh, give a shout out to Natalie Flores who wrote a review for Pace Magazine and like the the sub subline for her review was uh, the last is part two let's love in and she the for, the beginning sentence is uh, for a game ostensibly about hate the last is part two revolves around the complexities of love it shows love at its most positive between two people whose love is really normalized in media as the driving force behind a powerful overwhelming all-consuming quest of anger murder and retribution and she continues but i think she also does a good job of illustrating like how they like last of us last of us plays with that range of emotion and yeah like so much of the game is about how much you how much we connect to each other as people and how much yeah. like you can you can love a person as much as you can hate them which i think is really cool joshua martinez writes in patreon.com slash kind of funny just like you can and says hey greg and blessing i know you both really enjoyed the last of us part two talking about how it transcends video games movies and books that's me blessing is being a coward over here and not having any he doesn't know where he sits on it yet it's terrible he He's now he went the other way. No, I'm not joking. <laughs> the last, uh, the Last of Us was my favorite game of all time until God of War took the mantle in 2018. So, Greg, seeing as how you've talked so highly about The Last of Us Part Two, has this become your favorite game of all time, dethroning God of War? Blessing, I'm not sure what your favorite game is, but where does The Last of Us Part Two rank for you? Top 20, 10, 3. Thanks, guys. Your best, your best friend, not best friend, <laughs> Josh. Um, I'll start, bless. I don't know if you've thought about it. this yet, because obviously I've had to uh, actually go back and forth a little bit in terms of like, oh man, I'm saying all this stuff, and I do think this is a masterpiece, and I do think this transcends video games, and I do think this is a, a bench water moment for uh, gaming and game creation. Uh, I don't think it's, I don't, it does not dethrone God of War as my favorite game. Um, I remember talking about God of War not dethroning uh, Peace Walker as my favorite game and then being like, holy shit, I think I like God of War more and that, that, that we went down that thing. For me, this falls into an interesting thing where I haven't sorted this all out. So we're free balling and making stuff up as we go here, as we always do on PS. I love you, XOXO. Um, I feel in a lot of ways, even though I th- there's happiness and good stuff and all this stuff, it's so powerful and so unsettling as you said right blessing to play this game that it strikes me in some ways like when i came out of seeing the joker where like i like the joker movie a lot the joaquin phoenix one right and it's Mm -hmm. disturbing i feel and there's a whole bunch of different stuff in it yada 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 and i've done lots of talks and had a lot of great conversations about that as well i remember when we did screencast kev right like my thing was i don't know if this is a movie you can enjoy i don't know if if this I, i i can't imagine somebody being like oh my favorite movie of all time joker I watch yeah. it over and over again. I do all this stuff. Da, 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 da. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, more power to you if that's your, your jam, but it's not mine. And I feel Last of Us is not as dark and not as, uh, you know, on the nose as Joker is about its stuff. But the Last of Us is this sprawling epic, right? Like, you know, I think of The Road. Uh, I, know in that, I know so many people compare, justifiably so, the original Last of Us to The Road. Like, this strikes me as that the novelization of that uh the book i mean obviously uh you know it strikes me as grapes of wrath it's this giant tome it's this giant thing of stuff that's happening and i love every minute of it and i think it's done better than most any video game out there and so is last of us part two i think one of the greatest video games of all time like again hard to say because what are we judging video games on and yada 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 but in terms of like you know i think god of war 
is more fun. And that's what I'm looking for, right? Mm -hmm. Like God of War had the story beats and the serious stuff, but it was about tearing shit down and throwing a Leviathan axe. And yeah, that feels good. And da da da. And I'm tearing this demon in half. Whereas Last of Us is, I'm. It's really cool when I single shot these people with my rifle, and I'm trying to get back and get to this thing or save my friend or do whatever. Like, there's a million. It's so heavy that I just it, to sit there and be like, it's my, it's the my favorite game of all time. I don't think that's possible. Hmm. I. So this is actually a question that I've been thinking about a little bit. Not this exact question, but basically the question of how does it rank up for me as, as far as um, like a number team. I'd give yeah. it and like my t- my top whatever. Like I had a, uh, over the weekend, I think it was it was Yusef or somebody uh, after the review embargo went up. Uh, somebody asked me like, hey, if you were to give this game a number, because I was I was talking to them about the game. They're like, if you were to give this game a number, what would you give it? Like a, like a score. And. I had to think about it for a, for a second because my mind my mind jumped to like oh I think I might probably give it a ten but then I was like well actually no I can see myself giving 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 it a nine and I kind of I've kind of been going back and forth in my head about that um, over the last few days and I think I kind of land on like a like a nine point five like that's kind of that's kind of where 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 I sit on it or at least I'm sitting on it right now where like and that's kind of that, that's also kind of why it's been kind of difficult for me to kind of vocalize and, and, and figure out how i feel because like i love i absolutely love the game i think this game is uh in terms of where it ranks in like my um like my my ranking of games like it's top 20 um and i literally have a ranking of games that i I look look to um and like yeah it's sitting in like that 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 top 20 area but oh sorry oh go for it go for it because i'm with you right of like if i was to score this game i think it's a 10 far and away i think it's a masterpiece However, and this will be, you can put it on the board, the most pretentious thing I'll probably say this year, right? Giving it a score, talking about it being your top whatever list of all time, I think trivializes what this game is. Like, I really do I, I feel it's like oh, that and that uh, that's, that's where it gets really pretentious, right? Where I'd be like, it'd be like, you know, you have a pickup game of basketball and LeBron James starts playing. <laughs> and you're like, well, yeah. he's clearly the best one. No shit, he's the best one here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, I, and, and like, people are going to play it and hate this game and throw this in my face the rest of my life. But that's what I'm talking about. Of like, I just feel this game is playing uh, chess while so many are playing checkers. And I think that when you play it, whether you love it or hate it, you're going to sit there and have a reaction to it and look at it and go, and I, this is my thing, like, play it and do, and like, this is fucking art. Whether I, hated it whether i loved it whether i connected with ellie whether i didn't connect with ellie like i think you're going to come out of that ready to go get a cup of coffee or a beer with your friend and sit there and talk for hours about this game yeah i just don't think that happens with a lot of games and i 100 agree and i think i think that comes back to how i even feel about review scores in general because i don't necessarily love review scores as like in like a critical review like in a product review like yes i understand sure. the purpose of review scores and how that helps people uh, make purchasing decisions and all that stuff but like yeah I'm, I'm to what you're saying like me saying the last of us part two is a 9.5 that then kind of puts it in like this box of like okay so you're saying that you like um gta 5 better or whatever and it's like I don't know, man. Like, I, I like GTA <laughs> Five better because it's, it's an open world game where I can drive cars, and that's more my type of game. But like, to what you're saying, I think Last of Us Part Two is such, like, like yeah, like such a work of art in terms of what it's doing. And I think, I think, in in terms of how I look at it, uh, within the scope of video games in general, I think it goes for so much. And I think it, it I think so much of that works. And I think so much of that is ambitious and pushes the envelope and is really beautifully done um but then there's also sides of it where i'm like okay well i also didn't necessarily love 
uh, certain pacing toward like latter parts of the game, and I didn't love certain like how certain I I didn't necessarily love all the environmental puzzles and all and all these different things, which 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 kind of brings it to a nine point five for me. But like it also that that way of putting it, like saying it's a certain number, definitely does feel like it's truly like trivializing it because I think it is. I I I think Last of Us Part Two is something special. Um, when yeah, we this is spoilers, right? I want you to come up and talk about pacing because that was me and Cat Bailey yeah. went around on the spoiler cast with it, um, Game Explained about that, where it was like, again, back to the art argument of like, I don't think it's bad pacing. I think it's particular pacing, and that's where you can either mm-hmm. agree or disagree with it, right? And but and so that's where we're back to, right? Of like, yeah, what are we scoring? Like, what are we talking about right now? Like, what you know what I mean? Like, that's and that's yeah. I can't. I don't. You know, I don't. I you know, I, I know how. Uh, reviewers who aren't giving it tens and nines are, you know, having to deal with the fire of the, the internet or whatever. Some of them, and the people who are giving it tens are having to deal with a different fire of the internet. Like it's such a man. I cannot wait for everybody to fucking play it and have these. Yeah. And have the, I'm sure I, I bet we do another fucking, we're going to, I bet this, the content's going to keep going this way where like once it's out and probably so what not next PS, I love you, but the one after that, probably we should just do a, now it's your spoiler cast with us. Like, what do you want to talk oh, about? Oh, yeah. The things that are going where what, I think that'd what be awesome. Do not agree with. Yeah, let's do that. Because, yeah, I definitely can't wait to see what more and more people uh, feel, how more and more people feel about the game um, and to be able to talk about it freely. Like, that's yeah. like the big thing for me is like having to hop around is, is so difficult. But to even give like a little bit more context to like where I'm, how I feel about the game, right? Like, I'm, I'm not necessarily, uh, I'm, I'm still up in the air as far as game of the year for me right now between this and Final Fantasy VII Remake. Like that's it, it, to, to grant even more context to like where to where I'm at. Um, in fact, on my like favorite games of all time list that I keep referencing, right? Like I placed it literally right between uh, like I had I have Final Fantasy VII Remake and then I had The Last of Us One right under it, and I just put The Last of Us Part Two in between those, and so I have it above The Last of Us <laughs> right before Remake, and so that's very like arbitrary and that's very much like what does that mean, but. Um, if you want to, if to grant more context and more understanding on where I kind of stand the last of this part too, like that's kind of where I'm at right now. Next question comes from Brent. What Brent? What? No, hold on. I'm, I skipped one. I'm sorry. If I, if I skip it, to, Brent, you're coming up next after this one. Uh, if I skip them, I'll get out of order. Uh, Cameron, AKA that dude underscore cam. That on dude. Writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny and says, Hey, Greg and bless future me is totally enjoying the show while you answer my now, my now past questions as always. Uh, I'm going all in and asking multiple questions about thing. Greg Miller and I care about deeply. Uh, I cut all your questions because other people asked them except for this one. I saw Greg that you platinum the last of us part two over the weekend. So congrats on that. How long did it take you and how many playthroughs did it take you? Much love. Hashtag Black Lives Matter, Cameron. Um, well, thank you, Cameron, for paying attention to my tweets and thank you for supporting Black Lives Matter. Um, I did it in two playthroughs. Uh, my first one was 26 and a half hours. Do you remember how long it took you to beat it the first time, Bless? 23 hours about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then my next playthrough, you don't have to you yeah well you probably would but you wouldn't if you were really trying to fucking move on the game you wouldn't need to do a full playthrough again you could do it in just like doing save loads and doing upgrade kind of thing uh, you'd be fine yeah um then after but even i I did the second playthrough again because i wanted the full playthrough again because obviously i want to be totally prepped for the review and spoiler cast we were doing um then yeah the weekend was spent in some of the days beforehand uh loading levels going in and going after collectibles and stuff like that and that's harder to say how long that took me so you figure 26 and a half for the first playthrough i was 
pretty thorough on the same way through, which is why it's like maddening when you get there and you see you have like six of seven things. You're like, motherfucker, I looked in every corner of every room. Where would that have been? Um, overall, said and done, though, what if I'm being – I would say somewhere in the 50 hours, right? That may, that makes sense. Maybe maybe 40, maybe on that second plate. I didn't skip any cutscenes the second time through, and I also didn't like skip searching because I knew I, I needed to search for everything still. I still needed to hunt stuff down. So I would say, yeah, between 40 and 50 for the Platinum. Uh, you know, yesterday I probably spent – or not yesterday, Saturday, right? I had chipped away on some of the nights throughout the week, and then Saturday I did another probably five hours. So, yeah, probably like – I'd say between 40 and 50 to Platinum. Totally attainable. Nice. Really good trophy list. I think, honestly, like as much as I, jo- I jokingly and honestly hate the original Last of Us trophy list, like – they took all that feedback in and made a trophy list. That's great. As we've talked about before with all the other accessibility options, there's no difficulty tied to uh, the trophy list this time around. So it is, you can just go and play and collect and do it all the stuff you need to do, which is brilliant. I think, cause again, there's nothing more I hate than a game. I love having to play it on the most brutal difficulty for no reason. And just be like, well, this isn't even fun anymore. Why would I want to yeah. do this? The accessibility stuff is really awesome. Like it was, yeah. it was cool seeing, I think it was Kali's video review that showed off the fact that you can turn off all the colors and make it yeah. so that like you're blue and the enemies are red and the and collectibles are yellow. And that's how she would clean up rooms afterwards. And like, that's it. Yeah, even before it's funny. Cause I was wondering if other people were doing that. And even before I read her review, yeah. I was doing that too. Yeah. If you go into the accessibility mode, you can go in and turn on colorblind mode, which then, yeah, is your blue there. Well, there's a couple different options actually for that even, but the default is your blue, they're red and anything you can interact with is yellow. And it is a yeah. Yeah. the the amount of accessibility options in the game is crazy like the more and more i i learn about like what they have there and and the depth of it and the different things you can do with it like totally. it's it's wild how well they did with the accessibility options if you've missed that you should go check out steve sailor of course the blind gamer yeah. you've seen him on kind of funny games daily before uh if you go to steve sailor on twitter uh, he has a whole bunch of thoughts up on this he put up a reaction video of his first time going through the accessibility stuff but on top of that he links to a whole bunch of uh different stuff because he helped build it with a whole bunch of other uh, accessibility experts in terms of what they should have there and i think it was either him i'm pretty sure it was him that was saying in his in his video reaction that there's going to this is a benchmark moment of there'll be games accessibility options are going to be before last of us part two and after last of us part two yeah they went through and put all this stuff in and crushed it and while i talk i mentioned it on the games daily where we went through the reviews yeah can i play that dot com if you go there and read can i play that dot com their review of the last of us is a great read of holy shit, like, this is everything they've done. This is why this matters. It's the perfect game. It's it's a 10 out of 10 for them, which I think is the first time they said it's ever, there's been a game that gets a 10 out of 10. Yeah, I remember yeah. The, on Twitter, one of the, the sound designers for The Last of Us, they were talking about how they were able to complete a level uh, with only the sound uh, because, because of the way the sound design works. They were able to essentially get through the game uh, without having visuals, which is wild to me to, to think about um and i couldn't even imagine how that works but that's super awesome and yeah like to the point of accessibility and how awesome accessibility is like both me and you use the accessibility features in the last list in different ways totally. and it's, it's a thing that that is good for everybody right like the more and more accessibility is, is uh handled better and better in games the better and better it is for everybody um like me as somebody who used used the the um the captions and tinkered with the colors and tinkered with the size and all and all that stuff to fit the exact way I wanted. And for you as somebody who was cl- doing the, all the collectibles, even Callie, somebody else who was doing the collectibles and when we're able to turn it, turn on that colorblind mode, like that's such a cool thing. Um, and it like, it's, it's good for everybody playing those games. 
Yeah, 100%. You, hope, you do hope you see more games pick that up, right? I think, and it was here, uh, I still have it open, uh, on uh, canipplaythat.com. It was reviewed by Courtney Craven in yeah, her final paragraph here, right? I've only skimmed the surface of the vastness of customization provided for disabled players here, and it's a testament to what Naughty Dog has done for this game. Not only have they joined the ranks of Ubisoft and the Coalition in leading the industry and advancing the inclusion of disabled gamers in their design process, but they've set a new standard for all games to strive for. They've given the world a game that truly anyone can simply pick up and play and not run into barrier after barrier. And that is an amazing feeling as barriers often leave me abandoning most games. And they did it all without <gasps> compromising their artistic vision. And it's like, yeah, right? Like, I, awesome. I, there's, Yeah, they fucking crushed it. And I do want to see more people do that because I do want everybody to, be able to play video games. But I digress. Uh, Brent Watt gets the floor finally. Uh, Brent Watt wrote in, of course, to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames and says, hey, blessing, Greg. Uh, my wife is not a gamer and has never really enjoyed me. Hold on, let me try again. Has never really enjoyed me. No, I still fucked it up. Has never really enjoyed watching me play any video games. However, we do enjoy watching dramatic TV series together, such as The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones. Last of Us Part 1 instantly drew me in with its narrative during the first 15 minutes of the game with the death of Sarah and how Naughty Dog punched me in the gut with its directing and tone. I'd love to hear your thoughts on whether Last of Us Part 2 might be a game that could entice even a non-gamer to watch along. Did you have any moments in the early portions of the game where you were easily invested in the narrative, akin to Sarah's death? Thanks for all you do, Brent. What? Oh yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. It, like if, you, if you enjoyed The Last of Us Part 1 for that... The Last of Us Part Two, I think, does that way more and way better uh, in terms of it as a story experience. Like the story experience, it's it. I can't. I guess I can't spoil anything or, or talk too much about like how like it starts or anything. But uh, you know, it it's the ground running in terms of where the story is at and and how engaging it is with that stuff. And if you love story, The Last of Us Part Two does that. What's interesting for me, Brent, what here is your question? You're talking about your wife. Did she, you don't mention though? Did she enjoy watching you play Last of Us Part One? Have you ever thought to replay it with her? Like, I think it would be weird to jump into The Last of Us Part Two without The Last of Us Part One. Because again, you know, I, and I this is one of those it's hard to talk about with all the spoiler stuff. But you know, Neil had said a long time ago that uh, there's a definitive reason this is called Last of Us Part Two and not Last of Us Two. Like this, you know, this needs Last of Us Part One part one you know in terms of this is the continuation of that story this is still just the last of us um so it's interesting that i I don't know about dropping someone in who didn't know anything about it uh my wife uh, who is a gamer obviously but doesn't play it hasn't played the last of us watched her roommate back in the day play the last of us and so when last of us part two came in there was a very clear uh not argument a rule laid down that i was not allowed to play this without her sitting next to me so she could watch it as well and so i think you get to those moments of if you're like me uh brent what where it is jesus can you get out of this room and stop looking in every corner i'm like no there might be something here that 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 does come up obviously as you're looking for a new bottle or a new rag so you can make a molotov or whatever but overall the story beats i think are so strong that yeah i think you'd be involved i think she would dig this i think that there would be enough in here like i think again especially for it being the part two to part one, like picking up, uh, you know, where it picks up in this game and going through and answering questions and talking about what the reality of their lives looks like. I think all of that would resonate if she enjoyed that first part. So I would say watch, make her watch a recap, play the first one again, do that kind of stuff. Tyler Drummond writes in patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says, hi, not sure if you can answer this or not, but are there any quote forced self stealth sections forced, st- forced stealth 
sections in the game similar to David's boss fight in The Last of Us Part 1. Thanks. Yes. Can I, re- I can't even remember if they're forced. Well, the David boss be- fight. Oh, I guess. No, yeah, there is. There is. No, yeah, there exactly is. right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I was gonna. I was waiting for you to connect the dots. Since I can't say yeah. anything, but yeah, there very much is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's done better than David's boss fight was. Like you know, having just played through David's boss fight again last week, two weeks ago, and then having watched Nick play through it again, that is like the first time. I shouldn't say that. That is one of the Last of Us's biggest. Like, hey, you're playing a video game. Oh, I, okay. I step on these dishes all of a sudden. It makes noise, and David runs to me. All right that kind of shit isn't really there. Like, you know what I mean? It's it that, that shit's yeah. done better, but like, no, there is definitely for still. There's, there's another section that is very resident evil. Um, resident. That made me go like, why is this here? Like, why is this in this game? And we'll talk about it on Friday. Yeah, but, we like in, in terms of the, 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 the David thing, I think there, uh, there are probably two of those in this game for me, but neither of them are as egregious as the David thing. Like neither of them are that bad. Yeah. Um, but there are two moments where I'm like, did this really need to be here uh, gameplay wise? Okay. Uh, Wit writes in patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says, what are your thoughts on how Tlu 2 has evolved the open world areas of uncharted forest law slash lost legacy? How is the AI this time around compared to previous games? Blessing your Mr. Lost legacy. I love lost legacy uh can we talk about how that like how they tackle the open sections like i mean i mean i don't i have to read well, the i don't know now i can't I, I i don't think as long as you stay away from the story stuff i guess so so like, right? yeah, like i mean because it's seattle stuff yeah i, I don't give a, i remember what it's like don't give a beat by beat or account of anything yada 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 okay yeah like they there is an open section that is akin to to uncharted lost legacy and i guess uncharted 4 i liked lost legacy's open section more so than uncharted 4 and the last is part twos the, the way in which they handle it i feel like is doesn't really for me doesn't really feel like an evolution for me it kind of just feels like like a side by side like they did it again like it doesn't really mm-hmm. feel like they evolved it in any sort of way, but it doesn't necessarily feel like better or worse to me than Lost Legacies. Yeah, it, that was the same thing. I don't, I remember both Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy and doing the stuff. And then this one, I felt natural. I liked it. You know what I mean? I thought, you know, riding around and doing stuff in it and running over there. Like, yeah. And we didn't they show this in like the state of play? We should be careful, but I'm pretty sure they showed parts of this in the state of play when they were explaining open world. Hold on. I don't know. I can't remember. I, the, the thing I will say is that the way in which they handled the open area open open area in um uh lastest part two pacing wise kind of th- that kind of falls into my pacing uh really? critique yeah because like I, and I, honestly i kind of have the same issue a little bit with uncharted 4 in lost legacy like i feel like those those big open areas kind of come out of nowhere and just aren't revisited um and i could i, I kind of would like for there to be some sort of like like ebb and flow in terms of all right here's an open area all right cool back to linearity okay cool back to another open area uh it feels like the it'll be easier to talk about on friday um in terms of how how contextually works with the rest of the game but i i i liked it i wish they 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 did a bit more with it is what i'll say looking at deep into that embargo (laughs) or you're, you're in the state of play I don't remember seeing it in the state of play. Hmm. 
No, they, they, I mean, like he doesn't, I mean, they don't, the whole, here's my thing about the open areas and Uncharted for it. I think like in Lost Legacy, I feel like those areas we're thinking of, of like Jake, uh, Jake, Drake in the Jeep. I think that is expanded to the entire game where there are still these big moments of you walk into this thing and like I'm looking at the state of play 1214 uh, Ellie riding around on horseback right through a city. That's what that's what one of the that's one of the areas we're talking about of like this giant open area you're unleashed in Seattle right. That is a very specific example of here's this giant open area. You, you have these objectives, but you can find other like side stuff to do, like other, not side like missions, but like areas to go into. Yeah, like, you can notes, explore notes that'll tell you like, oh, go do this thing. Oh, okay, do that thing. Like then the rest of the game is more what you think of The Last of Us. But I think those areas are so much more open that they're learning from these kind of areas from Lost Legacy, where it is the same mm-hmm. idea that. There are, you know, the notes to figure out how to open a safe or this is a, a secondary path. Or if you, you know, you crawl around this car and you go through this ditch and you figure out how to get up there and smash that window, you can go into a building that there's no reason for you to go into. Like, I feel like the environments are more open in that way. Not as open as this. This is a very specific example. But. Yeah, like I do. I do love how generally open the environments feel throughout the game. But yeah, in terms of like that big, like open area, like I feel I don't know, man. I I, I kind of wish they they revisited that idea more because it kind of feels like it comes and goes in a way where it's like, all right, do, if if we're not going to continue to expand on this this idea, did we really need to have it here in the first place? If we're not going to con- continue to build on it, that's fair. I understand. Um, Nick O'Coolahan, how writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says this question is for ps i love you q a by last of us part two hello greg and bless from all the preview footage i've seen of last of us two it seems as though uh, it's more ambitious in size of its environments my question to you is how is the game's signposting to me when i watched the gameplay demos they showed it seemed like there was no clear direction you're supposed to go is it possible to get lost in an area or even skip an area altogether on accident because of unclear actions thanks love the show what kind of magic they were using in the last part two but i never got lost and those nope. those areas are big and i i like there there are moments where i was where i was walking through or riding through on my horse or, or doing whatever to where i was like all right i think this is the right direction and it was always the right direction and i don't know how they do it um it's way better than in the last part one which i think had fine signposting but there were mm-hmm. moments in the last one where I, I definitely got confused or lost about where last i was part one i distinctly remember a couple different rooms one was where you drop into water for the first time and like you need to swim underneath the thing and get to the other side but i yeah. remember they just introduced swimming or i just hadn't used it in forever and i remember being in that room forever going like what the fuck am i supposed to do and uh the same thing with the one ladder puzzle right where ellie's like ellie's As over ellie, there like is she like on top of somewhere and you need to give her, give her, give her the Eventually, ladder? yeah. She's over there. You can get up there. You can swim down. Like I remember that being when I first yeah. played in 2013 being such a bitch. And so, yeah, that was, I think the signposting is impeccable in Last of Us Part Two. Like, And I think some of it is on your nose in a way that makes sense where Ellie's like, oh, to get to whatever, I just have to follow I-5. And like you're, you know, the roads are yeah. overgrown, but there's still signs for I-5. Like there would be in a real downtown. You're like, perfect. This makes yeah. sense. And then there are other times just follow the light, right? Like it isn't as like even in your face as it used to be like the giant yellow caution tape stringing down or doing it. And there's still yellow caution tape in sections. Don't get me wrong. But it is yeah. more of like 
if you're lost, you kind of look around and look for where the sunlight's peeking through or fire is peeking through and know to go towards the light. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that makes sense. And they do a great job of that. And to what we've talked about before, as you know, somebody who's like trying to platinum it or be a collector about it, like they have the different branching paths that always come back, it seems. So it is that thing of like you feel like you have you're you get that moment of like, oh man, I nailed on the first try when it is that, you know, no, all three of these paths will eventually rope back into different landings or different uh, elevations to get you where you need to be but you can go through that way yeah the level design is really incredible in the game yeah, like i have no idea how they're able to make it this like that's actually one of the things that that people might overlook it, uh, in terms of reviewing it and talking about it the level design is incredible um and to your point they do such a good job of making everything kind of loop back together when you are taking different paths or when you're like making your way through a house as opposed to around the backyard or, or whatever all that stuff feels natural and it feels like at no, at no point do I remember running around in circles forever. And whenever I did get to those points or get close to those points, like it'd probably take maybe 20 to 30 seconds before the L3 sure. thing would pop up. And uh, that's and they're, 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 point you. Now, granted, I think you can turn it off or do whatever you want with it, but they're liberal with yeah. that as well. So yeah, if it is like, it seems like this is your, your, they, that's what I think of like when we're talking about pacing of the game. And I think they do a great job of keeping that going. Yeah, I, um, I agree. To next question or skip an area altogether on accident yes nothing like mission critical obviously but like there's tons of rooms or areas or little like uh, dugouts or whatever people are hiding in that i totally missed and then when i was going back through for platinum and looking for collectibles i had to scour 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 and then like you know you just catch the hint of a ladder or something out of the corner of your eye and you go there or you know free tip from your friend greg like using the traversal mechanics they have in the game not like ellie climbing but like you know anything you'd be doing with like the ladders or whatever using them and obviously this is how i use it but of course there is could you use it somewhere else in a different way that was one of the ones that got me and i was like ah, you little bastards at naughty dog yeah final there's, question about, sorry go ahead. so i was gonna say there's so many there's a lot of safes in the game as we've talked about before and there's so many safes most safes probably i didn't have the code for and i wouldn't like I wouldn't know where that that code sure. was uh, because it, that requires exploring and stuff. Yeah. And so and I also no time for that. One, yeah, one I was trying to make good pacing on my on my game, but then also, yeah, like I I there were just there were just moments where I just skipped accidentally or somehow missed. Um, but that's I think that's more so on me as a player than the game in its level design. You want to know one of the things I heard about those safes? What's that? You can actually crack them if you want to. You're like joking. you can sit there and listen. You're joking. Yeah, yeah, that's like, crazy. I'm like, that's fucking, that's three months of somebody's time at Naughty Dog. <laughs> he didn't have to do. He didn't have to worry about it. Um, and Brandon H says, "What's the most impressive element of The Last of Us Part Two? Blessing. What's the most impressive element of The Last of Us Part Two? Is you knock your water over my water all computer? over my laptop? <laughs> uh, most impressive element of The Last of Us Part Two. <sighs> That's a really good question. I think right. the, the cinematic presentation of it is really impressive. I think in terms of the way the ways in which the characters not only just look, but the ways in which they move and the ways in which they are also like performed, the performance of, of the characters I think is absolutely fantastic in the way that emotion reads and, and is heard through the through the, the voices and um all that stuff is done incredibly incredibly well along with uh the way in which they do reveals like the way the way in which you get those those big reveals the way in which the the cameras are uh positioned and framed i think that cinematic presentation is just fantastic yeah um for me it's hard to say because i think you know the overall package the sum of its parts is so fucking 
out of this park. But I mean, to sit here and go, the most impressive element. Is it a cop out to say storytelling? I don't think so. Like, no, I, th- I, th- I, th- storytelling. I think the yeah. way they weave this narrative, the way it. Yeah, I saw somebody. Um, I saw a tweet, which isn't obvious, like reading a headline and saying I read the article, but I saw somebody talking about how Waypoint had said in their uh, review that they thought the story was predictable. And I want, I made a mental note and have it at the time to get back to it. Cause while I think right now, if you were to sit here, like if we knew nothing and there were no spoilers out there and nothing, I think you could sit around and pitch five or six. This is what it's got to be about, right? And one of those would be true probably. But I, that isn't what's predictable about it. Like I think the journey A to Z is, is not, did not go the way I thought it was going to go and did not yeah. do the things I thought it was going to do. I didn't and think we, it was predictable we, at all. We don't end where we're going to end, right? Like I don't, and so I need to go see that. So I'm talking out my ass about what they actually said, but I think the story kept me on my toes the entire time. And it was in like, you feel like I felt the entire game and I didn't know where it was going to go. I agree. Now, believe it or not, blessing the last of us part two review was not the biggest thing that happened last week. Oh, Oh, there, oh man i don't know if you remember there was a playstation a 5 event that you all had a million questions about as well thought maybe we should dive into those but before we do let's hear from our sponsor this episode of psi love you xoxo is brought to you by keeps did you know two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35 the best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair left don't forget ladies and gentlemen this is nothing to be ashamed of both andy cortez and nick scarpino started losing their hair and they did something about it you can too you can get treated from home with keeps uh you used to have to go to the doctor's office uh for your hair loss prescription now thanks to keeps you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home they make it easy to deliver your medication every three months so you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits keeps offers generic versions uh, of the only two fda approved hair loss products out there you may have tried them before but probably never at this price prevention is key keeps treatments can take up to four to six months or more to see results so it's important to act fast the sooner you start using keeps the more hair you'll save Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors, and nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps to keep their hair loss prevention medication coming. Keeps treatments start at just $10 a month, plus for a limited time, you can get your first month for free. Uh, You, ladies and gentlemen, have a very special place to go. If you've already... I'm sorry, if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash PSI love you to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash PSI love you. Uh, keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash PSI love you. Kevin, show people the drawing I did of your name. Oh, you know, I got it on my fridge. I'll go grab it later. I'll show it to him. Don't worry. I took got it on, on your fridge. So when I was on the the podcast, the U.S. Gamer stuff, I like to doodle. It, it helps me mm. stay focused, honestly, on what I'm thinking. And I doodled Kevin's name for him a little. Oh, Kevin. that's really good. I did is really good. Right? That's really good. Thank you. I did really in there. Just nailed it. Kevin, you put that on your fridge. Yeah, you put sure. that on your fridge. Sure. Right on yeah, you fridge. did. That, put it in your fridge, Kev. You know what I mean. Have some fun out there. You're too serious all the time, Kev. Mm-hmm. Uh you. Fine folks, wrote into patreon.com slash kind of funny with a bunch 
of different kind of funny games. Damn it, I fucked it up because I was trying to do the kind of funny.com slash Patreon thing, which is a short link to get the questions faster. Um, and on top of all of these Last of Us questions, you had a ton of PlayStation 5 questions. So, Blessing, f- before we go, since mm-hmm. or before we get into the questions, because we're not going anywhere, t- tell me where you're at nearly a week from the PlayStation event. We, that We're recording on Monday. That was on Thursday. Yeah. Are you stoked about what you saw there in terms of the design of the console? Are there games that stand out? How are you feeling? The more and more I look back at the games, the the better and better I actually feel about them. Like coming out of the the conference, I was already like, these games are this this is a great selection, a, a great group of games that they have here. The more and more I look back at the games, I'm shocked by the fact that most of the games I actually do want to play. Like even the games that we're making fun of, Bug Snacks has grown on me, <laughs> grown on me over the weekend. We're not making I, fun of it. We're singing the song. <laughs> I mean, we've been singing the song, but like when they first revealed it, though, I feel like we were kind of we were kind of making fun of it because because it was very much like a what the fuck is this kind of trailer. Yeah. But like even even after the fact, looking back at it and rewatching the trailer because I love the song, I like I do want to play Bugsnacks. Like that thing actually looks pretty fun and pretty goofy in a way that I can, I think I can enjoy. Um, but yeah, like Spider Man, Miles Morales, uh, okay. Ratchet and Clank, uh, Rift Apart, Death Loop, Hitman Three. Like there's some Ast- Astrobot um uh solar ash ghostwire tokyo horizon there's so many games in there that i think for me like that speak to me uh directly but i also think speaks to everyone um like they they had it you can find right there's there's i think there's multiple things in there for everyone which is the which is the crazy thing um and the more and more the more and more i've been like looking back the more and more it's been noticeable that um one one of the things that i mentioned during our ps love you reaction episode to that is they did such a good job of giving every game reveal its own moment and painting each game as equal. Like it didn't feel like everything was leading up to Horizon, and Horizon's like the big showcase game for this thing. Or it sure. didn't feel like every, it didn't feel like Miles Morales was the big showcase game uh, for this thing. It felt like every game, even even the smallest small games, even Buck Snacks, felt like it had its own moment, and that it. it, oh, it Buck Snacks, look at you! <laughs> it feels it felt like it warranted its own attention, which I think is super awesome. Um, but not only that, when you look at like genre and you look at, you look at the types of games they're, they're showing, you look at protagonists and all these things, they didn't necessarily feel like they were, um, uh, in a box. Like they didn't have, I, I don't think they had a first person shooter. Actually, no, they probably had a couple first person shooters because I guess death loop, you might loop into that, but no pun hey. intended. Hey, uh, <laughs> hey, look at that. Um, but for the most part, right. You have platformers, you have uh solar ash which is whatever that is you have uh the pathless like ghostwire which is its own which i guess is first person but which is its own horror thing like they had such a great selection of diverse games that i think um paint the ps5 as going to be vibrant in terms of library which i think is 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 the best thing and so overall like feeling really good about about that event a week removed and the the ps5 uh the more the more i see it like uh, the, the more i see the console the 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 better i feel about it and I felt about I felt good about it in the first place anyway, but I like it. I like how it looks. Oh, I can't yeah, I can't wait to see that. That's my thing is right now with the PlayStation 5, I like the way it looks. I like that it looks like Wayne Tower. I like that it's got this weird futuristic yeah. blue light and fat and vibe to it. Like I'm stoked to see what that looks like on my shelf, what that looks like on my entertainment center back. Have you floor. have you seen the size comparisons? Because yeah, that's a looks- big motherfucker, right? Okay, I didn't know if I was looking at memes or what, but it seems uh, like it's gonna be giant. Yeah, which is like my one concern. I don't care. I mean, it's long, right? I mean, that's funny. Uh, I'm trying to get you a good thing here for if Kev can show it, throw it up there or whatever. Yeah, here you go. 
What am I looking at here? Is this an IGN one? Because it's got that it's IGN vibe to it. It is. The nice comparison I saw made that thing look like a giant. Um, I'm tossing this in Slack if you can get the image up once it's there. And, and, boop, and bang. There you go. Uh, yeah. It, and it, I mean, they're not wrong, right? In terms of height, you look at the PlayStation. I mean, you look at it not even in terms of height. Like, it's a weird thing of how PlayStation is, I feel, and maybe this is just off of images, right? sleeker in terms of thinness whereas xbox is hiding it by being really fat right like it's really yeah thick but still short like in this image that kevin's going to bring up on ign uh you know it shows uh it compared to a pro a series x and then an xbox one x and so you can see how the xbox series x is terms of i guess length not as long as the playstation 4 pro it is the same mm-hmm. length as the xbox one x but it's so much wider and this obviously varies i guess and what you're talking about right because I guess actually, yeah, yeah, they're taught. They say it's taller and then not as wide or whatever, based on how you're imagining these rectangles in your box. But yeah, the PlayStation Five uh, height is fifteen point seven four inches. Uh, the PlayStation Four Pro is twelve point nine, which might not sound insane, but when you look at them side by side, yeah, when you look at them, it's like, whoa, that's big. Yeah, I mean, yeah. length is three point nine seven on a, a PS Five. PS Four Pro is two point one seven. The width is uh, eight point seven nine on the PS Five. Uh, the Pro is eleven point six. So actually, you know, finally less width there, but still, that's a big old boy. Gonna have a big old boy. Yeah. There. And I'm so stoked. I, I'm gonna have to see that in person to really like make a final judgment on it. Like I don't, I'm not gonna hate it because it's big, but sure, it just see that seems like a a, a large a large console. <laughs> um especially comparatively here's a question for you from thomas dale who wrote into patreon.com slash kind of funny games what's up greg and bless the playstation 5 event had a stacked lineup of games a few weeks ago you both posed the question of whether the playstation studios took enough risks did this showing of games alter your opinion at all appreciate all that you do thomas dale Ooh, that's an interesting question to I think here's where you want to enter into, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. from the PlayStation breakdown, they, this is what they list as PlayStation 5 games from SIE Worldwide Studios and second party partners. Second party partners being part of this PlayStation Studios initiative, right? Astro's Playroom, Demon Souls, Destruction All-Stars, Gran Turismo 7, Horizon Forbidden West, Marvel's Spider-Man, My- Miles Morales, uh, Ratchet and Clank, A Rift Apart. Nope, just Rift Apart. Uh, Returnal, the Mark game, and then Sackboy, A Big Adventure. I mean, those are the games I'd expect them to have. Like, right. if you were to ask me what what does a PlayStation lineup look like, that's what that's what a PlayStation lineup looks like. Um, and so, yeah, to the thing of the so the risk conversation kind of went uh, like a, an amount of different ways, but I, I still fall on the side of I think it's fine. I think their I think their lineup is still a great lineup of games. Yeah. Um, you know, with how with with kind of how we look at them, I think having Astrobot be a non-vr game i think is a really is a really good move for them because astrobot i think is such a uh a great title uh what it did for psvr i think was magnificent and if they could do that for i know like it's supposed to be a pack-in with the console and it's supposed to it's supposed to show off the different features of i guess the dual sense and the console and so if they're able to do that and pull it off in a way that doesn't feel gimmicky and in a way that that i think does astrobot justice and makes it a hit and what, I don't know what a hit means in this case, but makes it a thing that people look at and they're like, oh, yeah, Astrobot. You know, I think that's awesome uh, for the lineup. Um, but, yeah, I don't necessarily need I didn't necessarily need like a, a, a like a really like strange game to come out of PlayStation for this PS5 reveal, like from first I, party. You know, I think part of the 
argument was, and it was like, you know, do we think that uh, uh, it's they're taking enough risks, right? And the argument mm-hmm. we were saying was, it seems like a lot of uh, Sony or PlayStation Studios first party stuff is that third person action adventure game, right? But even then, yeah. we were talking about like, is that's not fair, is it, to talk about that? You're putting it in, you know, uh, what is it, not feudal Japan, but uh, samurai Japan. I'm sorry, I forget the time period for Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, yeah. Last of Us is this, Days Gone is also kind of like Last of Us. You get the argument and where they're going with it and stuff, but. To look at this list, right, and have it be the games you'd expect, sure, but Returnal being this thing from Housemark they're partnering with, Sackboy yeah. coming back in a non-Little Big Planet game, just, hey, it, we're making basically Super Mario World the Sackboy. Uh, Astro's Playroom, like you're saying, right? Like, hey, we're going to bundle this in, and it is taking something that was incredibly popular in VR and now putting it into a different form to hopefully get you into it. But to look beyond that, right, like, the other big news, I guess, out of this was how many exclusives they were going to have, right? And granted, they're timed exclusives, right? But reading off of Windows Central, right, like the list of timed exclusives they're bringing over. Uh, the remaining titles launch as timed exclusives committed to the PlayStation 5 and sometimes PC, but with an opportunity for exclusivity to expire at the time. While timed exclusivity doesn't translate to a definitive Xbox Series X launch, it provides a whole bunch of different stuff. But timed exclusive right now are Bug Snacks, Deathloop, Ghostwire Tokyo, Godfall, Goodbye Volcano High, that Grand Theft Auto uh, 5 deal they have, right? And I know that's not exactly the thing, but it is. Uh, Jet, uh, Kena, or Kenna, I can never say it, the uh, Bridge of Spirits, uh, Little Devil Inside, Oddworld Soulstorm, uh, Project Athia, um, Solar Ash, Stray. Like, they're taking the risks, I think, there, again, with what they're doing in terms of, hey, let's partner up with people who are going to go make the stuff for us, right? I think seeing them commit to and expand that PlayStation Studios brand to include that in the same way that when they made Spider-Man, Insomniac was part of that, right? Like, that is a PlayStation game, and as Insomniac told me on Twitter that one time, we're not a second-party studio, this is a first-party game. That's an interesting way of taking the argument slash what you're doing in this thing of risks. And I think part of taking risks isn't necessarily taking your tried and true first party developers and putting them on to unproven projects. It is saying, Hey, we're going to partner with somebody else and give them the money, the resources, the whatever to go out there and do it. And we will sit here and have our studios make the things that we know are going to be successful. Right. Yeah. And I think to, to some extent you can make the argument that having, and I know bug snacks keeps me my go-to, but bug snacks in the, in the PlayStation five games reveal, I think is, Risk, I feel like, is a, is a weird, weird, weird word, but you know they are taking a chance on Bugsnacks, right? They are taking sure. a game that is um, from a smaller developer. Granted, from the same people who made Octodad, which was a success, um, but you know, making another weird title, them taking Bugsnacks and putting them putting that game into the PS5 reveal stream is kind of left field in a way that I think is refreshing. Kena, Bridge of Spirits, refreshing. Little Devil Inside, refreshing. Oddworld, Soulstorm, right? Like these are all games that I think add life and add variance to the library to the overall playstation 5 exclusive library that i i think is going to i i don't i don't i don't think the the, the conversation will ever change as far as does first party uh just does, does this first party take risks right does this first part do, do these first party studios take risks because as we as we kind of established in the conversation right like even, you can make the, the argument that nintendo doesn't take risks right you can make the you can make the argument that Nintendo keeps keeps coming back to Mario and Zelda and and um, Metroid in this in the same franchises, um, yeah. but like that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't think you necessarily need to to feel as a first party. You don't necessarily need to feel like you have to reinvent the wheel every single time. Like I think it's good to have a library 
that is core to what your your lineup is and then have things around that that are lift like lifting that entire library up so that everything can kind of breathe and live and, and you can build expectations of hey i'm gonna have horizon three someday or i'm gonna have spider-man two someday or i'm gonna have god of war two someday while also at the same time being like hey here's solar ash here's uh until dawn here's um pragmata um even though i think pragmata is cross-platform but i i think all that stuff works and so like in terms of the 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 risk the risk conversation like yeah i think these all look like playstation games but in terms of the, the exclusives like yeah there are there there is stuff here that has variants and i think they did a good job of displaying that variance well it's back to that argument right of again like you know the place i think i might have screwed something up a second ago when i was talking so just to clarify to make sure the playstation studio stuff is these ps5 games from first party and the second party yes. parts so not the exclusives or the uh timed exclusives which i think i said yeah, yeah. I, you know that i know but i think i might have muddled so i just want to make sure we're very clear on it so in specifically of what we're talking about you're talking about uh demon souls from blue point right slash japan but that's where you're getting into it right destruction all stars from lucid slash xdev and then you're into uh house mark and xdev working on returnal right sumo digital and xdev working on Sackboy. I want to bring this in. Tyrus Parker wrote in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says with Sony branding second party games as PlayStation Studios games, do you believe that this will serve as a pipeline for future studio acquisitions? For example, by giving PlayStation Studios branding to Housemark, Sumo Digital, Lucid Games, and Bluepoint, do you think these studios are high on the list of potential studio acquisitions? I think regardless, they're high on the list, like whether or not they are branded PlayStation Studios or not. I think I, I I really wish I could be a fly on the wall and know what those conversations are like, especially between PlayStation and Bluepoint and PlayStation and Housepark, because those are two studios that have been consistently making first party games for PlayStation and making quality games for PlayStation. Um, but yeah, like I I I think these studios that are make that are third party studios that are making PlayStation Studios games. I'm sure there. I'm. I'm sure those conversations are happening to some extent, um, and I hope those conversations continue to happen. Like I, I, I hope to see like I hope to see Sony reach out more to more unique um, uh, third party studios to make first party games for them because I think one to to what we we're just talking about, right? I think that makes the library more more vibrant. But then, yeah, I think I think uh, kind of flirt not flirting feels like feels like a weird word to use, but working with these studios. Uh, working with these studios uh, consistently to to get games on their platform um, in order to kind of get that relationship going, I think is a really cool cool thing, and I think that'll then allow them to become first party at, at a certain point. At least Here's I hope. My Here's my thing: is I I think it doesn't exclude them from being part of the first party or being uh, pr- purchased or whatever, being brought into it, right? But I also think that. PlayStation Studios establishing that brand, establishing that when we turn on House Marks game, we're going to see that. When you turn on Sackboy, which makes sense, you're going to see that. You start to go to a po- point where, at what point does PlayStation Studios mean more than the developer making it? And then at that point, why start locking yourself down? Because it is this argument that it works with Insomniac. Uh, if you made Spider-Man, it's the best-selling PlayStation game of all time. And you've we've had this long lineage with you. Let's just stop pussyfooting around about it and make you an honest woman, right? And they they buy Insomniac. They bring him into the stable. Mm. There you go. Fine. But for something like Bluepoint that has worked so closely to PlayStation but hasn't ever, you know, signed the deal. And I granted, you know, Insomniac shows how long you can play the game before you actually get bought. Yeah. 
I feel like by establishing PlayStation Studios, you establish a very similar thing to Marvel games where it's like, cool, we have awesome ideas or you have an awesome idea that you pitched to us and we want to fund, but we don't want to take over your whole studio. We don't want to take over the whole HR thing. We don't want that much of a headcount. We don't want to worry about this. We want to work with you on one very specific game idea or IP. And then you do that. And then if it's a huge success like Spider-Man and you go, fuck, well, I guess we're in this for the long haul and Ratchet and et cetera, whatever VR thing you want to make, you go, okay, this makes sense for you to be here full time. But I think for the most people who are going to go into this PlayStation Studios deal, I think you're going to get do it, go in there, make a game, make an IP, and then keep making other stuff. And hopefully the game you make for PlayStation Studios is a hit and immediately they want a second one, but it might not be. And you do it and you just get off and go off and do your own thing. Like, I don't know for, you know, like Returnal for Housemark, is that a franchise for them or is that a game? We'll have to wait and see, but who knows? I agree. Elliot Altland writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says, what the fuck am I going to be playing at launch? <laughs> Quick question for the two best PlayStation boys. When I buy that brand new PS5 day one, like a fucking mark, like the fucking mark I am, what games am I going to be playing? Right now, I would guess Miles Morales, Deathloop, and maybe, hopefully, Ratchet? What other games beside Assassin's Creed Valhalla are we going to see on launch day? Also, not including games like Destiny. Thank you for being positive and uplifting voices, speaking for change and compassion. Keep fucking that chicken, Elliot. <laughs> you know how to build us up and knock us down pretty quick, Elliot. Um, yeah, launch lineup for this thing. There's obviously a lot of games didn't get dates. I'm going to read over here just to bring everybody up to speed in case you don't remember or uh, missed it. I'm going to read Ari Notice's uh, report on Kotaku, right? Uh, under 2020, he or already has this. Yeah, Ari, Ari, sorry. Ari has this listed. Uh, 2020, uh, the zany action platformer Astro's Playroom is exclusive to PlayStation 5 and, in fact, will come preloaded on every machine. NBA 2K21, the latest entry in 2K's popular basketball franchise, is planned for a fall 2020 release on PS5 and Xbox Series X. There's no word on whether or not it'll be a launch title for either platform. NBA 21 has or NBA 2K21 hasn't officially been confirmed for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, but come on, it would make sense if such version it wouldn't make sense if such version didn't come out. Uh, Deathloop uh, coming to PlayStation 5. Um, Spider-Man I already covered PlayStation 5. Uh, Kenna Bridge of the Saints coming to PlayStation 5. This is all 2020. Bug Snacks, Holiday 2020, probably be a launch game on PlayStation 5. Uh, the Pathless was planned as a PS4 release. Now, according to the game's official website, it'll come to PlayStation 5. Um, Gearbox Godfall, PlayStation 5. Jet, the Far Shore, PlayStation 5. And that was the ones they listed. This is mainly jumping off of that event. Obviously, like you said. Uh, 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 Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Who said it? I lost them. Oh, here, uh, oh. Elliot, Elliot, as you said, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And there's a handful of other things we've heard uh, confirmed for it. Yeah. That, How do you think the sense. PlayStation uh, launch lineup is going to net out? Is it going to be a good one? Is it going to be a bumper crop? Or is it going to be like, okay, cool, whatever. There's some stuff to play. This is one of the things I was actually kind of a little bit concerned about coming out of that PlayStation 5 uh, reveal event. Is, yeah, like a lot of those games had the, had the wording holiday 2020 or uh, just didn't have dates at all. Yeah. And so I kind of I, I kind of was thinking about this quite a bit of like, what does the launch lineup look like and what does the launch lineup need to look like? Because the more and more I kind of sat on it, the more and more I kind of realized that like you don't necessarily need to have a thousand games as your launch lineup. You just have to have like a, a, a solid grouping. And so like between between Spider-Man, Miles Morales and let's say Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed and those big third party games that we know yeah. are going to be there. Right. Um you know, throw in basically all the games you just, you just mentioned, uh, Bugsnax. Bugsnax. 
I think launch lineup is going to be fine. Like a lot of those games, I think you can assume are probably going to be there at launch or after, like after a few weeks of launch. Um, it's like all that makes sense to me. You know, there are a a handful of games that are announced for 2021, and of course, uh, Pragmata is coming 2022. But there's a bunch that don't have anything. And so, reading off of Ari's article here on Kotaku, 20 20 question mark question mark uh, includes Oddworld, Soul Storm, uh, Destruction All Stars, Gran Turismo, um, Little Big, uh, whatever, uh, Sackboy, a big adventure, Demon Souls remake, um, Little Devil, uh, Returnal um ratchet and clank or R- R- ratchet and clank rift apart uh project fia which is of course gary wood's joint shout out and then horizon uh forbidden west and so it's one of those that those don't have dates of any time or any kind it's not out of the war of this world to imagine some of them are launch games that they could hit i don't think horizon is i think they would have said it and i think that you have you have marvel spider-man who the fuck cares? You're fine. You don't need to worry. Yeah, about. like I don't. I I also don't. I I wouldn't necessarily want for both Horizon and Spider Man to be launch games. Like I think no, having no, one no, no. big you don't title each other, right? Yeah, exactly. Like having one big title like that, I think is good enough. Especially now that we know for sure that Spider Man Miles Morales is a standalone uh, game. Correct, um, yeah. And so, like, I think that can hold down the fort pretty well alongside um, Astrobot and all the other all the big third party games and everything else that's gonna be there at launch. Um, I, I think that works, especially when we, we zoom back and also look at the environment that they're going to be releasing in. Like we've talked quite a bit about um, manufacturing and how many PS5s are, gonna, are there going to be available and how many Xbox Ones or Xbox Series Xs are there going to be available and yeah. how much are these things going to cost and how much, how, how much disposable, disposable income are people going to have in order to buy these things. Like I don't think you necessarily have to come out and have hundreds of games there within the first two months when there's going to be such a limited amount of disposable income for people to work with and a limited amount of consoles probably for sale um and so i i think with everything we just listed and the stuff that we don't know about yet but we can probably assume i think did you just did you just lose your pen totally done um i think it's i i think we're looking at a at a fine launch lineup yeah i'm I know we talked about this last time on PS. I love you, right? Of uh, Miles Morales is a launch is an actual launch game, right? Or I'm sorry, uh, uh, a standalone game. Standalone, yeah. I hope they knock that out of the fucking park. That's my that's my concern. I have no doubt it's Insomniac. Don't get me wrong, but it is that so much pressure is going to be on that game, and you saw just the briefest of everybody show their teeth right the next morning when it seemed like it would maybe it is just an expansion, maybe it is just going to be game of the year with like a couple missions. People got really pissed. I think that goes a long way on it where it is like okay cool what the fuck is that going to look like right like if that game doesn't deliver and that's a lot to ask of them i'm I already i'm already telling you that right like it's a lot to ask of them it's concerning i i i don't want that game not to be amazing i don't want it to be five hours long i, I want it to be fucking epic you know what i mean and go through yeah, it. yeah. I'm, def- I'm definitely with you there i think it'll be good though like how do you feel about it being a uh, I don't know. What's, I was going to say smaller title, but I don't think that's the right way to put it. But a not a probably not a sixty dollar game. It, how do you feel about it probably being a forty dollar Lost Legacy kind of thing? I'm fine with that. I think that's a good move. And I, you know, I, I've seen so much of people going back and forth. Of actually, if I can bring in a question here, right, or not even Greasic wrote back in patreoncom slash games. Hello, blessing and Greg. The Miles Morales trailer was easily my most exciting part of the PlayStation 5 reveal. Unfortunately, given my current financial situation, I will not be, it'll be a few years before I can justify buying a new console. I'm hoping that the game, 
I'm hoping that the grand, he means game, will come to PlayStation 4, but given everything Sony has said to differentiate themselves from Microsoft's, quote, no generational exclusives in the first two years policy, I'm assuming it won't. Since this game is being built off of a PS4 game, and then if it doesn't come to PS4, I'm assuming it won't be due to technical limitations, but instead a deliberate choice by Sony to drive PlayStation 5 sales. I hope I'm wrong. I hope this game doesn't come to PlayStation 4. It will be because it's too large, technically too large, a technical leap uh, that only PlayStation 5 could play it. Do you think Spider-Man Miles Morales will get a release on PS4? If it doesn't, do you think it'll be it'll be because it can't run on PS4, or will it because Sony is uh, using the game to drive PS5 sales? This is another one of the things I'm talking about with this game that. Mm-hmm. you have to come out and prove that like this is why this exists on PlayStation 5 and not that. Not that there's anything wrong with this. Don't get me wrong. I think it's well within PlayStation's rights and as a video, be like, hey, the most popular game on PlayStation, we want a, a you know, middle, middle sequel, you know, a 1.5 that we can put on the new console. Great, but if it is something we all get look at and we're like, all right, sure, it loads faster, but it doesn't look that much better. It isn't you taking advantage of ray tracing. It isn't doing all these different things. Why isn't this there? You get into this argument that really does point out the flaws in PS4 versus PlayStation 5 talking uh, against Xbox's uh, smart delivery, which just got a big old blog post today, you know, making it so simple of buy it, you have it, you're done. That's it. Now you have it on all the platforms it could possibly be on. That's yeah, another that's... easy weak point that I don't want uh, Insomniac to walk into. Yeah, that's they're, they're in an interesting place with that. I'm trying to find, I, f- I feel like I saw somewhere them talking about the, uh, the ways in which spider-man miles morales is going to be technically uh more improved than the previous one because i i feel like i remember reading like oh yeah it's gonna have um i, f- I forget i forget the things i saw but I, f- I feel like i saw them talking about the technical improvements um but yeah if it comes out and it is like this is this obviously just looks like spider-man 2018 yeah. um then they're in it they're in a curious place and for it I don't know. Part of me thinks that maybe it 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 should be a sixty dollar title. Like if it if, if if it is going to come out and be advertised as, hey, yeah, this is the first big exclusive for for the PlayStation Five, and it's taking advantage of the, the power of the PS Five through like better load screens or uh, ray tracing or part like I don't know, man, particle effects with Miles's powers. Maybe he has like a particle power. Who knows? Um, like <clears throat> like in that case. I feel like you might be able to make the case that hey, this is a sixty dollars game because it is Im- because it is improved in those ways. But there is yeah, so- I don't know. They're in an interesting place. place, dude. They're in a rock and a hard place because I I think on one hand, hey, you just bought this brand new console that let's just say is five hundred dollars, right? So yeah, you're getting a break on this game that we've admitted and talked and in, in, uh, uh promoted as Lost Legacy size. Lost Legacy was forty bucks at release, right? So this is forty bucks mm-hmm. at release. Awesome. You do worry that, yeah, if you do that and say that, are people picking it up and going, oh, it's not even a real Spider-Man game. It's not even the real game. And so then, but then you go the other other way of like, cool, it's $60. It's the full spider It's it's And then you get home and it is 10 to 50, whatever. I don't even know. How long was Lost Legacy? Do you remember? Lost Legacy? That was like 10, 12 hours, I want to say. Right? If you get home with that and you're like, oh, but it's, I paid 60 bucks for this, but it's, it's as long as Lost Legacy or yada, 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 like. And then on top of that, if you come home and you're like, oh, I paid 60 bucks for this new PlayStation 5 game. It doesn't look that much better than a PlayStation 4 game. I don't see what the bells and whistles they're using PlayStation 5 for in this. Like, They have to knock this out of the park and subvert expectations. And that's hard when the expectations are a game that arguably was one of the games of the year. And it, should, it just came out in a year with Red Dead and God of War. Like, 
how are you coming out and doing this? How do you come out and, and make people understand it's not just the same map with this? Like, cause that's the other thing we were talking about, right? Is it the same New York, but like obviously different, they're going to change billboards and newspaper things and whatever. But is it that, yeah. is, is he just getting one borough to play through or whatever and go on in this story? Like there's so much going yeah. on. And I, I believe in Insomniac, right? They've proven with Spider-Man, they know what the fuck they're doing. So I doubt Brian Intahar is going to shit the bed on this one, but they're on a tightrope in a lot of ways in, in on a grander stage because it is this PlayStation 5 thing. And again, it is an argument of what PlayStation's doing versus Xbox, right? Where this wouldn't even be an argument if it was coming to PlayStation 4 as well. But if it's definitely going to be only on PlayStation 5, awesome. Why? You have to prove that. You have to make me understand that because yeah, there are yeah. a lot that are going to be in the exact same boat as Grezik here who are like, cool, I can't, I support a Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man. I can't afford a PS5. And now I see the game and read the reviews. And they're basically saying that this is Spider-Man Ford map with new stuff in it. Like, why can't I have that? Yeah, like I'm, I'm looking at a tweet from Insomniac. Uh, they tweeted yesterday and they're like, uh, and they tweeted, they tweeted GIF of Miles Morales. And they're like, a wintry, a wintry NYC never looked this, this good thanks to the power of the PS5, right? And if you're going to advertise this, th- this thing as, being a standalone game, taking taking advantage of the power of the PS5, being the the, the uh, leading first party game coming out of Sony first party at launch, and it's forty dollars. I feel like that's a, that's that's going to be a, a, a tough thing to message in terms of what exactly this game is and how does it how 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 does it fall in terms of scale and what can I expect from it as compared to to Spider Man twenty eighteen. I. Yeah, this is an interesting thing that I hadn't actually like sat and really thought about. But yeah, there are some good points being made here. As usual, that's what Gretzik does each and every day out here. Again, though, like even with this tweet, a winter NYC never looked uh, this good thanks to the power of the PS5. Remember, this is Insomniac who had to live through insufferable internet commenters yelling about their puddle technology. So like, yeah. They are measured and know what they're doing and know what they have. And again, like I don't, you know, you can't blind trust anybody anymore, especially Brian Itahar, who's ready to screw you over. You know what I mean? He saw Corey Barlog screw everybody over. He's ready to screw everybody over too. But I do trust them that they know what they're doing. They know what they're saying, and I can't fucking wait to play it. Uh, so when I was googling around for another article, I found this that I thought was interesting. Uh, it's from today. Um, Heather Wald over at Games Radar has a Into the Spider versus Phil Lord got to see Spider Man Miles Morales last year and says it's special. Uh, there was a tweet here where they put out the somebody uh, Matthew H Harry who I'm not familiar who that is put out the trailer or at least a part of the trailer and then uh, Philip Lord who's you know the guy behind Into the Spider Verse one of the people behind Into the Spider Verse uh, quote tweeted said we got a chance last year to check out what the Insomniacs are up to and dot 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 it's special they're special so mm-hmm. if they got Phil Lord on board you know what I mean I know what you mean do you know what I mean I don't think you do no no uh, I mean not really no. <laughs> um let me give you one more good in here so let's see i got matt here i got yosef here um let's do it with wit wit writes in patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says regarding the ps5 showcase i was absolutely floored by the quality and quantity of games presented especially the indian first party sides uh, with Shu taking the reins on indie partnerships, for how long do you think Sony will focus on indie games, and do you think they will give up like they did on PlayStation Four? Oh man, this is such this is this is a question. <laughs> I mean, but this is this is what I've been thinking about a little bit over the weekend, as far as uh, the indie showing in the PS Five uh, game reveal, um, it being 
really good in terms of the indie games they sh- they showed going back to bucks next which i can't wait for Bucks-Nax. um but then like quite a few other ones right like say goodbye to volcano high i think is what that mm. game was called um it was goodbye volcano high yeah goodbye volcano high that's what it's called um and games like jet the far shore and like you know quite a little devil inside like there's quite a quite a few games here that are indie and i think that are that we we've seen we've seen playstation playstation kind of kind of fall back a bit from indies as their as the generation has been dominated more and more by big games and big sony first party games in a way i am not surprised to see indies make the return for playstation since we're gearing up towards a new console because when when it comes to new consoles and new platforms the things that the thing that you want to establish early on is library and you can't do that off of first party alone um and so it doesn't surprise me to see uh indies kind of make their way back into the forefront of sony promotion i do hope that with shuhei taking the reins on indie partnerships i do hope that means that this continues consistently and that we see this more and more because again like looking back at that playstation 5 reveal event there are so many good games there that I would not have known of otherwise that I am now excited for Bucks next. And, you know, <laughs> if, if, uh, if, if they, if they lean back as we, as we go forward into the generation and uh, kind of continue that cycle of, Hey, we're all about Indies now. All right, cool. We're not about Indies anymore because God of War 2 is about to come out and it's about to smash. Um, and then like the PS6 come through, comes through and they're like, okay, cool. What's up Indies? Like, I feel like that sets such a, bad precedent for them and, and what our expectations should be for for sony when it comes to indies it's a weird thing of what does give up mean you know what i mean it's not like indies stopped coming to playstation 4 it was that mm-hmm. playstation 4 stopped talking in the same way they were talking anymore they weren't doing the e3 press conference they weren't doing the psx where they were letting these indies shine and get out there before and granted yeah like i you know i've, I've talked about it at, at uh, i've talked about it a lot of how <laughs> PlayStation 4's event, yes, has so many indies in it. And then as PlayStation gets rolling and becomes this juggernaut, they stop talking about them as much and really double down at AAA. But it's also the fact that they still had those games coming to PlayStation 4. Those games were still doing well on PlayStation 4. It's just that Xbox with Game Pass started gobbling things up. You know, Switch with its Nindies events started gobbling things up and really getting behind them to yeah. promote them a different way. Whereas PlayStation... It, I don't. It's not that they weren't welcoming, but yeah, were they there? And so yeah, I think you know the fact that they brought Greg Rice on, they brought uh, they moved Shuhei over to this indie initiative it does prove that they are in it for the the long haul in quotes. But what that looks like in a 2020 PlayStation, I don't know, or a 2021 PlayStation, I don't know. If it's still state of plays, that's great, but it's still the same arguments then of you're using your tentpole AAA exclusive, you know, first party PlayStation Studio stuff to then surround this indie stuff because so many people when indies come up roll their eyes and get sick of indies, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, like? And these yeah. are doing some of the most it's, interesting cool it's, shit. It's it's so weird to like if, if you're subscribed to the PlayStation channel on YouTube, you see them upload trailers all the time. And a lot of those yeah. trailers are indie trailers because they're uploading basically everything. And it's so interesting going into the trailers and seeing like the ratio and being like, what how can people not be enthralled with with Buck Snacks? Why are there so many dislikes? Like I, it, it's it's so weird to see. And that's the thing about it, I just don't get like the I'm gonna shit all over this game. Like, fucking move on. Like, what? Why would you click on this trailer then? If you don't, if you're only here yeah. for whatever, like, Last of Us thing's gonna drop, then go do that. Get that. It's like, did you think Bugsnax was gonna be Call of Duty? Like, it, it, yeah. it's obviously this, this weird, quirky thing that's gonna be for a a limited amount of people. I think, what the fuck is Bugsnax? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I came out very excited. I'm listening to this song. I'm just eating strawberries and they're turning in my hands, huh? What do you all think right. the gameplay loop is gonna be like? 
eating is it a platform? Like, you're eating the buck snacks, and then I guess like, is there going to be holes that only hot dog hands can fit in? And I got to do that. Like, I digress. Uh, blessing, Greg. We're going to get right to trophies and chill, plus a PSN profile because it's more Let's of a it. story here. Uh, for the record, everybody, just to bring you up to speed, you know, of course, we still are doing 104 PSN games ranked, but because this segment show is getting so successful, Sid Schumann at the PlayStation blog destroyed the, the drop. The drop doesn't exist anymore. Now it's just a list of games. So first off, one of the weeks there wasn't a list. Then they had the new list of games thing that we need to pick from and we haven't yet. And then this week, also no list because of the PlayStation 5 event. So we're going to have a lot of homework to get back to when we actually get back to this plus, but... I think we're up to the challenge of just playing random games to fill out the list. Um, for trophies and chill, though, remember, you can be part of the show, patreon.com slash games. You write in with your PSN profile. Blessing and I take a look at it and decide if you should live. No, you're, you should still live. Uh, just basically what's going on, though. Uh, today is a little bit different, though. Uh, Mara writes in uh, to patreon.com slash games. Uh, Mara, probably, is uh, the PSN. Yeah, the flannel death. I know the flannel death very well. Mara, I fuck it up all the time because I never say that. I say the flannel death. However, if you want to keep up, you can go to psnprofiles.com slash the flannel death and see what we're talking about. Hey, y'all. I'm writing in today on Sunday, June 14th, 2020, the two-year anniversary of my one and only platinum trophy, Bloodborne. This trophy means a lot to me because Bloodborne is the only game, until now, that I felt passionately enough about to go for that platinum. It caught me completely off guard in 2015 as I was not a fan of the Soul series to that point and it dethroned Chrono Trigger as my favorite game of all time. Now, today on the two-year anniversary of that Platinum, if all goes according to plan, I will be getting the Platinum in uh, the Platinum Trophy in Horizon Zero Dawn to celebrate the announcement of Horizon Forbidden West. Horizon Zero Dawn is another one of my favorite games of the generation and I've been sitting on one trophy for years. Hope this wasn't too rambly. Thanks for everything you guys do. And what are some of your most important trophies? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I am happy and proud to tell you that looking at the flannel death on psnprofiles.com, I can confirm that Mara got the platinum trophy in Horizon Zero Dawn. Wow. That's two platinum right there. Right there. Good job. Um, you look through the rest of it, like you're playing a lot of games over here, right? 146 games played total. But yeah, just you got two platinums here, your level 14 trophies, uh, 1,719 total trophies, 61 golds. Uh, yeah, but like, look at this. You're one of these kids, right? Final Fantasy Reborn, uh, Final Fantasy 14, A Realm Reborn, Final Fantasy 8, Final Fantasy 10, Final Fantasy 7 Remake, Doom Eternal, Doom 64, Monster Hunter World. These are just games you're playing, of course. Uh, Control, hell yeah. Jackbox Party Pack, hell yeah. Kingdom Hearts, Mara 3. Has great, great taste. Yeah, you're down with this list? Yeah. No, yeah, I'm I'm totally down with this list. Yeah, Mara's killing it, killing yeah, it in here. Dead Cells, Final Fantasy 15, Titanfall Dead 2. Cells. Remember Dead Cells? Dude, know. I love Dead Cells. Dead Cells was one of my favorite games that year. Did you did you play Dead Cells? For a little bit. It wasn't my kind of jam. Oh man. And you you loved Rogue Legacy, right? I did love Rogue Legacy, yeah. And Dead Cells didn't do it for you as much? No, no, no. Didn't, mm. didn't click for me. Uh looking at the Spider-Man trophies here. You know the platinum, but you played a bunch of Spider-Man. That's good. Yeah, you beat Spider-Man. Good job on you. Good on you. Good on you. Oh yeah, but more than anything, congratulations, the final death. Two platinums. Yeah. You love to see it. You love to see it. You love to see it happen. Hold on, right here, trophy milestones. Let's look at these. Uh, your rarest trophy right now is the Cape Crusader trophy from Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe. Fuck yeah, <laughs> Cape Crusader is a complete Batman's combo challenge. Only one point six nine percent. One point sixty nine percent. Nice. That's awesome. People have ever done that ultra rare, ultra rare trophy. Dark Clouds in Final Fantasy fifteen was your fifteen hundredth plat or trophy. Sorry, just trophy. Nice job. And your first trophy of all time was Rip One in God of War three nine years ago. 
what a journey it's been, the flannel death. Welcome to your second platinum of all time. Thank you, Blessing. Did you disconnect your mic or are you not really clapping loudly? Oh, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> I was like, how is I guess I was silently. How is that possible? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been PSI Love You XOXO, your PlayStation podcast. Remember, each and every Tuesday, Blessing and I love to crawl up in them ear holes and talk about PlayStation stuff with you, right, Bless? Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I you said it very graphically. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man. Man, I, I did the We Have Cool Friends today with uh, Lois Lane from the CW. And let me tell you, the new uh, Manscaped ad. It's quite graphic. Oh, yeah? Is it? Quite graphic. <laughs> we talk a lot about holes in there. Uh, yeah. Remember, you can be part of the show, patreon.com slash games with your questions, comments. You can get the show ad-free. You can get it with the post-show. We're about to record. If you have no bucks to toss away, though, it's no big deal. Oh, you can watch live while we record it. Just like YKM is, Mike L is, Alex Beasonal is. Thank you all for oh, your support. Oh, Alex. Love Alex. Miriam, why don't you? Um, you can also go if you have no money to youtube.com slash kind of funny games or podcast services around the globe each and every week. Go there, you know, do that thing, find out who Blessing loves that isn't me. You know what I mean? I love you too, Greg. Hey, all right, now we're back hey, in business. Hey, uh, we got to not as much as Alex. Fucking God damn it. I'm joking. I'm joking. You gonna play Predator with us tonight? Me and Nick, some Predator? Come on. I, I, I think I might be predatored out. I didn't uh, want to mention not, it. I didn't want to say uh, it, but like, here's I don't the know, thing. Man. You can't be predatored out because they just increased the level cap to 150. So there's more to do now. Did they add more aside from the level cap? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I might jump in then. I might. Oh, I might yeah. Here we go. We're back, baby. Yeah, uh, we got a post show to do. We got a post show to do. But until next time, no. Bug snacks. Bug snacks. God, what a jam, you know? <laughs>